on OG hardware? Like, get the fuck out of here. This is the Imperial Schools of Art Podcast. I'm Josh Fullen. And I'm Jay Baxton. And we are going to be bullshit about the formative years of console gaming as we revisit the periodicals that covered it again. Today we are brandishing torches and pitchforks outside the castle walls of Konami's 1990 release of Castlevania III, Dracula's Curse, on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Emulation disclosure, I played on the Nestopia RetroArch Core on my PC with a standard USB NES controller. Uh, but, uh, I, I tried, I, I got jiggy with it a bit and tried to make the effort to do the HDMI feed into my big screen TV to like have the big experience. Okay. And there's so, I, I need fucking someone write in if you have a solution. I, it like, when I plug it into the, and I've Googled this too, and I can't find the exact solution. I found some delay things, but nothing that's actually solved it. But like when I put it on my, on my big screen TV, it, like, uh, I don't know, if it, it fucks with system performance. It can't, it, like, what? gives it a jitter, and, like, it can't run the fucking, and, you know, dude, I mean, like I told you, this it's just insane for this laptop to, it's, it can't be the laptop, It's it's got to be something to do with the HDMI cord feed or something. Yeah, because it won't, it won't work right. And I've, like, I don't know, I just, if someone has an answer to what's going on there, please do write in. Uh, so yeah, I had to go back and fucking play it in front of my computer like a peasant. Uh, but I, I was, I was totally in, I was totally in the mode of like playing this with a very cinematic vibe, you know, on the, on the big screen TV and everything. Uh, okay. Didn't go down, unfortunately. Man, you know what, you know what you could have done, which is uh, what I did. Um, you could use, you could play it on Xbox through the Castlevania collection. So oh, yeah? that was actually pretty cool. That's not how I played it primarily. I actually played it the same way you did through my PC RetroArch with the uh, standard USB uh, NES controller. But and then it's, it's not it's not remastered at all. It's it's no no so, it's the exact freaking same man. Like yeah. I so I, I did it there, but then I was like, wait a minute, I already own the Castlevania collection. So I went found it and I was like, all right, is it remastered? That would be pretty cool. But no, it was the exact same, exact same. same. So like, I got to see it on the TV, and that was cool having it on the big screen. And that was fun. okay, okay. Yeah, it definitely lends itself to being cinematic. Yeah. Uh, word. Okay. Well, please rate and review the podcast if you uh, like when we play video games on big screen TVs or computer monitors, whatever the case. <laughs> Be part of the ISOH movement. Give us validation on your podcast platform of choice in the form of a rating or review, and we will read it here on the pod. What are we jamming on now, Jay? What are you jamming on, man? Besides Castlevania. Besides Castlevania, so there was Exo Primal, but I've hung up my Exo suit. I'm I'm like halfway through the story in terms of like the pickups to get that kind of like tell you what's happening and why you're there, kind of you know piecing together clues. I'm about fifty percent of the way through, but it's just it's so repetitive. Like I like they showed a crossover. Like when they announced this game, Capcom showed a crossover with Street Fighter. And because I'm big in fighting games and I love Street Fighter, like I was pumped about this. And I, I, I understand it's coming soon, but like I, I just need something more than just killing the dinosaurs. Like they've switched it up, like the modes are like <laughs> something changing. more than just killing the dinosaurs. I mean, like the modes are changing, which is cool, but I don't know, man. It's just uh, it, maybe it'd be different if I had a couple friends playing with me, you know, and I was able to socialize, but on it, its it, own. It's, you talk about last day, it is just a straightforward fighting game, right? 
uh, a straightforward shooting game. Like you have these shooting. different exos. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's yeah. tank support, DPS. Like ones, can, you know, they all have guns, but they also have like healing abilities or like big shields or you know more weaponry to kind of kill these dinosaurs. You know, and there's a story behind it, and like so you can. It's good that you can kind of switch that up, but. <sighs> I'd kind of just rather play other games like Halo when I, if I'm doing like a squad right. base. Yeah, you're you're, you know? you're describing the problem with all modern shooters. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, just, they're just reskinnings of the same shooters, fucking thing. I mean, I don't know. I was thinking about it last night, and like the thing that I'm missing when it comes to games like that was games like Destiny Two. Like playing that before, whether you're with other people you know or not, like it's just fun like there's a lot more variability <laughs> in what's happening there's a lot more variability in like the environment you know like you're in different dungeons different planets like it's you know there's so much going on that's n- different and cool that like that was a blast even doing dungeons in eso a blast you know four player stuff but this i don't know it's just not like killing dinosaurs is great but it's i, I don't know man it's just uh there's just something missing about it I don't, I don't know what it is, though. I can't put my finger on it. Okay. So, wrapping that up, and then... Yeah, Diablo 4, man. Since we last spoke, you know, I've not only beat the campaign, which was very satisfying, but my new seasonal character is past level 50 as well. Exact same level as my main character. And we've been smashing through the new seasonal content and the storyline. Uh, you know, I've, I've actually completed the season one story as well. Now I'm kind of just achievement hunting, killing all the things, strongholds, dungeons, and like, it's a blast. Like I, I'm having a lot of fun. Like it's, it, it's a game I'm going to keep playing, you know, until the only thing we haven't really done is do the PVP stuff. Like we actually went into a PVP zone, uh, cause we, our goal is to kind of complete all the seasonal content before the season ends. And I guess... Like, the way they do it, it's not, like, open world, you're, you're out there and, like, other players are going to kill you. So, it was kind of nice, like, we were able to go there, complete our objectives without being targeted by other players. And that's something we'll, we'll get to in the future, but there's enough going on that I'm still having fun with it. Yeah, that gives me anxiety to think about. PvP <laughs> Diablo. Uh yeah, it's 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 fun though, man. Like there's there's just enough going on. Like they added these things called hell tides, so now it's just much more open world events where like the world is physically changing and like things are happening, and so you can choose whether or not to even go there and deal with that with other players or just to kind of like hang back and do other shit. But like certain things aren't even available when that's happening, so it's it's really it's really cool. To, you know, just to be out there and having just stuff happen. In the open world, which is really, really so they're good. constantly they're constantly rolling out new, yeah, material. Yeah, it's it's not yeah. just like new dungeons and kind of new um, achievements and in places you got to go, you know, kill things and collect things. It's it's actually like whole world change kind of stuff. So that's that's fun. You know, it lends itself to like, hey, me being saying accordingly, like, hey, let's go jump on and just see what's happening, and then right. new shit's going on, and it's like, oh shit, that, let's go check that out. You know. Cool, cool, cool. So, been been loving that, been loving that. And then, <laughs> surprisingly enough, I've been back into Vampire Survivors. So, I still, I see shit here and there. I finally saw some screenshots, dude. It looks 
dude it's it's pixelated it's it's like you're like what are you doing it's basic like i said it's one button all you have is your control stick nothing else does anything in the game but it's all about the pickups you get because they determine the build you put together and how powerful you are and then can you go like unlock these secrets and find these relics depend on the build you get and like so it's it's a it's a very simple premise and like my son like we'll get into that but it's a very simple premise <laughs> but very well done with all the things that they add to it that you can get and like the build that you can add on top of that and so they just came out with a new it was like so i had done i didn't 100% it like i just done a lot with it before and kind of was done with the game it came back in the game pass and they dropped their new dlc which is now like four player co-op so me and the kids are all playing together and like even my four-year-old like i said it's because it's only just a control stick he can play it too so like we're all playing the game together four-player couch co-op which is not something a lot of games do nowadays so now it's like extra fun and yeah we're, we're back into it man it's it's really been good for family time we're, i highly we're, highly recommend so if you, would, you and amy want to like jump on you can play that together no game pass needed for oh well we we station we solved the uh couch co-op problem what is that what is that <laughs> I don't know. i'll get to it but it's solved <laughs> uh, uh yeah i mean well let, let, let's get to it because uh that's, okay. that's pretty much it i'm there's right. so much ha- hotness dropping next month that that's kind of it for now Calm before the storm. Okay. Well, I had a little bit of a, since we last played, a little bit of a Demio resurgence. Been playing that a little bit here and there. They are not dropping new content, uh, which sucks, but um, they should be. I don't know why they're not. <laughs> they're doing other dumb shit. Fucking, like, I've already said it, but, like, that, that they keep, like, you know. Their their focus seems to be on like the PvP thing and fucking that that basement thing and like oh, yeah those like I a new know. battles thing I was like what is right. this like, yeah like social components and like trying to like like you know just trying I don't different, know different things yeah instead of focusing on the thing that is attracting people to the product you know uh, seemingly so anyhow but whatever it's still fun uh, walkabout tourney action so yeah I started fucking a walkabout uh, tournament oh bro. Oh, tell me about it. What happened? So I did. I so through three weeks now. I've done this. The first week three, was okay. yeah, El Diablo easy, which I hate El Diablo really, and then Atlantis hardcore. So that's that's the that's the that's the structure. But you do you get paired with there's you get put in groups and usually four people, three or four people depending. Three is so much better and faster. Well, it's usually four, I think. And, yeah, you play one easy course and then one hard course and kind of combine the score, and that's, like, your round, you know. And, yeah, so this first week, I just completely melted under the pressure. <laughs> so, uh-huh. like, I got, so, so I got a 700 par in El Diablo easy, which is, like, half of what I would expect my average to be, like, 12, 13 strokes under. My oh, record wow. is 15, you know. So wow. just horrific start to the easy course and actually i did like i set the record on, on my record on atlantis hard six under par from the previous record of three uh and i just had a really bad hole on that too so i i kind of recovered a little bit but getting that seven under on the first on the easy course dude i was just like in a funk 
emotionally the rest of the time, dude. And like, yeah, I, I, I mean, the rest of the day, dude, I was just salty and upset. Like, I was completely disgusted with myself. And, you know, whatever. It's like, I haven't played, like, I've played, I'll go in and do the, you know, I played multiplayer and played competitively quasi, but, you know, I guess I suppose that's exhibition unrecorded play. So there's a different level of pressure there, I may perhaps, you know. So, yeah, I'm just thinking, like, maybe it's rookie jitters and, you know, redemption lies in the future or whatever. And, like, so the second week, I, like, you know, I did some prep. Like, you know, I practiced a little bit on those courses, but I didn't, like, you know, there's things I still don't know. Like going into the second week, I like watched videos. I like watched all the hole in one videos of both courses. It was a Sweetopia Easy and Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea Hard were the two courses for week two. So yeah, like I watched so, all the hole in so one you videos. Knew, you knew all the ones that were. You knew the courses coming. Like oh, they tell you in, in advance. Yes, okay, so you can practice all week for sure. Yeah, so nice. you yeah you don't have to just jump into a blind, which is yes kind for sure. It would be real rough to just have to like have. <laughs> really work it would it, 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 it would make it so impossible because the you know the people the, the people who are really elite on that shit i don't i can't even imagine how much they play you know it's i mean like that first week i played against a dude that hd diver or whatever i mean he was like it was in the minus 20s on the hard course you know like i don't know i can't remember what is uh, 25 minus uh, 25 or 26 under on the easy course or something you know so just yeah the the, the oh, people who really i just can't even imagine how much they played the people who really are just unreal uh, at the top of the leaderboards in this thing, but wow. whatever the case. So I go into the second week against Sweetopia, uh, or uh, with Sweetopia, and I do pretty well. I had 16 under, two back of the leader, you know, who was also nice. kind of one of those elite players. He was kind of pissed, though, I think. He was having a semi-bad day. <laughs> and uh, so that went okay, and then going into the hard, dude, I was just fucking terrible again. Finished three over, I, I think it was. Oh. And I had a few holes that were just total, and that can happen. That's the thing too, because on the hard courses, there's holes that just it, they they can go sideways, and there's it's almost impossible no to recover on them. Uh, yeah, so you know, if, if you it it just those courses lend themselves to having a bad day because there are components. But you know, but the, again, those fucking really good fuckers, they have all those workarounds too. You know, they've already played this shit enough where they don't have those nightmare holes even like a bad hole is just still like a normal bad hole like a couple strokes mm-hmm. over but a bad hole for someone who hasn't played it enough is like a plus eight that you stroke <laughs> out you know and if that happens you're not even you're not even competing anymore you know what i mean yeah. so yeah i had a fucking awful hard run and i was like i seriously thought about quitting i was like this is not a, this is not a healthy way i'm playing sunday mornings at 9 a.m or the or the the round yeah. the group i'm trying to get into schedule wise so yeah i'm like this is just not a healthy way to start a weekend day it's just i'm (laughs) pissed off the rest of the day it's just not good you know not good so like i seriously thought about quitting before even last week so and then so i jump in on sunday anyways i'd already signed up so i was like fuck it whatever again watch some videos know the hole-in-ones that's not that's not even trying to say i'm trying to execute the hole-in-ones but it does give you an idea of what the ideal at least starting stroke like maybe what the advantageous angle to play or something you know so they are helpful knowledge for sure but yeah it's not like you're just trying to hold in one every fucking hole mm-hmm. although some, most of these motherfuckers again the really good motherfuckers are they're they're like if they're not most of the, i would say at least half the holes in easy they're hole in one you know what i mean and it's just like 
you know, and I'm not even saying like, again, I haven't put in that much time, so I shouldn't expect to be able to compete with that. But it is still frustrating to be in there and just like, you see this motherfucker and there's just no hope of beating them because, yes, they're fucking holding one in <laughs> half the holes, you know. Uh, and it's just whatever. So, yeah, I go in and the, this Sunday it was Babylon easy, which I fucking hate Babylon. There's no backstops on any of the holes, basically. I fucking hate that. And then Temple of Zazurahar, the Egyptian one, you know, and Temple of Zazurahar is fucking unreal. It's so <laughs> difficult. So, yeah, I just completely melted again. I was horrible in both rounds. And I was like, I fuck out of there. I, I told the guys in the thing, I'm like, I'm retiring. I'm done. I'm not doing this. So, so this isn't a healthy retiring way to spend. Retiring from, co- from <laughs> yeah, retiring competition. Putt. Yeah, retiring from uh, professional putt-putt competition. It's not healthy. It's not, a, it's not something I'm cut out for. Uh, despite my affinity for the game. You just got to work on your game, Josh. You know, I don't have, I don't have, put I don't, in the time. Yeah, I don't have the drive, bro. I don't have the, that's the thing. I don't have the competitive drive for hey, it anymore. Hey, that's that, why. hey, isn't there like rider strike? There's all the strikes. Like, you, can you even work? Should have time? No, I don't have time. Just commit That's part of the problem. That's another, that's an ancillary problem of the industry is that there are no producer strikes. There, are, there is no producer union. There is no, uh, you don't get, um, there are no protections for the producers. You don't get, you don't get to negotiate for, uh, on a, uh, as a group for better whatever. And part of that's self-inflicted. We could go into a whole tangent on that. I mean, <laughs> it, there are people that have tried to initiate producers unions, but to get the really heavy hitters to participate is nearly impossible because they want the autonomy of individual negotiation and individual deal points because they are in such an advantageous position that it would right. be uh, a serious self-concession to give those up you know so but we're not here to talk about uh uh labor legislature we're here to talk about video games so yeah retire from that shit fuck that not doing that anymore not good jab and i started doing a i'm calling it the edit conf- edit config sys quests or edit config dot sys quests and we started with with these old point and click adventures so space quest one is the first one we're doing and these games are fucking wild dude like we're doing the vga remake just to give you some perspective on this we're doing the vga remake that came out in, I think, 91 of an old, like, text parser game that was really, I think it was 84, maybe, 80, 86, that was originally released. So this is really a 1986 game with a six or seven year later remaster to give it a point-and-click interface that's a little better than having to just t- walk around with arrow keys and type what you want to do. To a computer that can, can't really understand anything that you're typing, basically. So, <laughs> so my my question, because I started listening to it last night and I didn't understand half the words that were coming out of your mouth, <laughs> is why are you doing such a quest? Like, did you play this game before? Yes, like, there, I yes. There has to be some historical context for such. Yes. And a specific adventure. Yes, no, yeah, I had, yeah, I had, you know, I had a lot of these games. Uh, I had all the King's Quests. I had a whole compilation of the first six of King's Quests. Uh, I had a few of the Space Quests, Police Quests. Uh, so yeah, I mean, these are these Sierra point and click games were big for that early '90s PC scene, uh, and they could actually run on the shitty computer I had. Still, they're relatively basic from a computer performance standpoint. So yeah, I have a, you know, we have a lot of nostalgia for these for sure, uh, and you know back then with no internet, there's no there was they're they're you know they're they're renowned for being borderline impossible, and forcing you like part of the game loop is to die constantly. It's just like a 
Like, honestly, like, modern gamers, it's part of why it's a zeitgeist YouTube thing, these games, because they're so far away mentally and, like, just the way they're approached from a gameplay perspective. You just need to have a completely different mindset than modern gaming because it's just, there's just no... It's painfully, and it's not difficult. It's just the way they work. Like, you, if you accept it as that's that's part of the game loop, like I said, as opposed to, like, if you think about it, like, I'm dying all the time, and it's just like a hard, there's no, it's just like a hard death. There's no, you know, it's point and click. It's either, like, you die, it's binary, I guess, you know. Mm. You either die or you don't die. And most of the times you die. Most everything kills you. <laughs> the one solution doesn't kill you. You know what I mean? So, like... It's just such a different way to play a video game that I think it's really hard if you don't have the nostalgia for it uh, to play a game like this. So, you know, so yeah, we're revisiting. And, and they're story games, they're story-based games, so they lend themselves to that kind of side quest format that we do that's very, you know, you're picking apart every little bit of minutia and, and trying to, like, Put yourselves in the minds of the individuals that wrote this stuff originally, and try to like you know talk about it and work it out because so much of it is weird, you know, truly weird. Uh, so yeah, so they're fun, um, but uh, so yeah, I've been playing a lot of that. And it's, yeah, there's you know I remember some of the stuff of most of these games you you didn't beat because there was no internet and you eventually hit a wall and there was just no solution if you didn't have even with the hint books. Like I had the hint books for the one I remember and I still didn't beat that game, so I don't know. That might have been a technical problem. King's Quest Six, it was. I think I had the hint book for, and I still could never beat that game. So, <laughs> fucking like, you know, any any one of these we That's do uh, will be uh, a somewhat new experience, just because you know, as a kid, they're just you can't possibly beat them. I don't think uh, if someone doesn't hold your hand through it all. Um, yeah, I, I assumed you wouldn't want to participate in those. I didn't even ask. Do you want? You don't want to do those, do you? No, that does not. Sound okay. Like <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I went from. Like at school, from like Oregon Trail and like Number Munchers to like early computer, like Doom, Descent, Duke Nukem, like all those kind of games, Under Killing Moon, all that kind of stuff. That's that's definitely a a hurdle over the era that these happened in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Point and click. Nah, I'll pass. Yeah. I'll pass. Uh, they're they're interesting. Uh, as a yeah, I mean it's you know it's perfect again for that format. Just kind of sell them and like get to it. I mean they're you know it's funny to me how short it is. Like I the first episode that first episode is like seven minutes of gameplay, you know, and it's like maybe the first fifth of the game. <laughs> you know, if you know what you're doing, if you know what you're doing, you like blow through them, you know, but. Again, so much of the game is just you're going to just run your head into things and die constantly because you just don't know what the fuck to do. But yeah, last but certainly not least, Amy got us both copies of Baldur's Gate 3 on our laptops for my birthday. Since there's no sign of an Xbox release, which is pretty fucking weak, Microsoft. But I imagine you must have said something pretty shitty to Larian Studios for that to have been the case. Uh, So, yeah, everything I've heard about this game had been glowing. And I had my whole diatribe about Divinity Sin 2. And how I was maybe going to be off this game as a result. But, so yeah, I let it play out a little bit. And, you know, everything about it is just... Even even with some... I know they had, like, the I think the fourth hotfix, they had to roll back. Because something fucking went off the fucking... I think people were losing save games even, you know? Mm. So, like, they had to roll a hotfix back. Like, a, you know, just a patch, basically. Yeah. And... And they re-released it a few days later once they fixed whatever that problem was. So, you know, they've had they've had your 
your yeah your your issues that that come with uh, such a big game in particular uh, release. But even with that, I mean, people are just fucking like falling all over themselves about this game. So. Um, knowing what kind of game it is and how few of them there are that are like this kind of just like, you know, it's, it's, it's being, it's being called the, and I think it's very apt, the closest possible replication of, to date anyways, of, of advanced Dungeons and Dragons tabletop gaming. Like the amount of, I guess just freedom, honestly, is the simplest way to put it. Like the, you, you, you. Freedom and lack of limitations. Like, you know, it's there's still a video game there, and you can't do just anything. But fuck, it's close. It's You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, you if you want to just drag some shit across the room and put it over here and start stacking boxes up, like, maybe to climb to something that really you probably shouldn't, you know, they, they didn't ever intend for you or for you to be inclined to climb to, you can still do that. You know what I mean? There's just like, you see videos of people, like, throwing sheep off a fucking cliff to kill something down below. You know, just like crazy, crazy shit that like, that's what is cool about D&D, even in my limited experience with it. The really interesting thing about D&D is, you know, the the, the adage, uh, asking your DM, can I do this? And the DM will always say, you can try. You know, it's like Jab's little thing that he always says in the side quest. You can try. You know, like, I don't have any text over here or there was no plan to accommodate that, but we can always roll the die. <laughs> And, you know, see if your incredibly unlikely thing works, <laughs> you know, and that is something that I don't, you know, most video games just don't allot you because there's code and there's only so much of it. And, and there's only so many humans that can get, spend the time to create new code to accommodate your idea. You know what I mean? So like a game that allows you that is just super appealing to me. Uh, and this does that in spades, I think. And, and the level of, you know, it's, it's turn-based, the battling, it's, it's the same as, Vinicent, the real time stuff, and then when you get into a battle, it turns uh, turn based. And it's funny too; you can actually even you can elect to go, to, which is I don't think I've seen that before. If you are in something that may, I guess maybe technically isn't a battle, or maybe you're going to initiate a battle yourself, you can like click it over to turn based whenever you want. You can elect to do that, hmm. which is interesting to take. It basically takes away the real time aspect if you're going to try to do something that's highly orchestrated with the group you know which is a cool feature i think that um yeah again i just don't see much of i don't think you know i don't play every game i guess every modern game but i've never seen them before that's cool so yeah so it, it's just fucking you know the depth story depth is fucking off the wall of course it's dungeons and dragons so all the shit's there uh, i of course started a tiefling ranger as i had been doing, which allows you the animal companion. So like, you know, can have a bear or a badger or a fucking boar or whatever it might be as an accompaniment, <laughs> uh, mostly archery based, but the builds allow you to do both and you can kind of interchangeably swap. They might not have the same proficiency and aptitudes. Like there's a million numbers working behind the curtain, you know, uh, for everything you do, of course. But yeah, I mean, the, you know, the number of, it's just, there's just so much, man. Like, there's just so much uh, spells and skills. And, like, I've I've learned, like, I, I, I texted you guys about it. Like, we were in this, we got into this cave, bumped into this spider uh, matriarch that there's no chance in hell we were going to beat uh, the normal, straightforward, just knock all its HP down 
kind of way. And I'm like going through just like, we're like, fuck it, let's just see what happens, you know, whatever. Um, if you load, you load. But I start going through my fucking, so the things I have, like I said, I'm archery based. So I had this, I see this arrow that I hadn't used yet called a thunder arrow. And like, I'm like, oh, it probably has like a little bit of like a, some sort of uh, a boom or something. Yeah, yeah, right. Something that's, that can fucking uh, maybe knock this thing. And it's like, it's in a cave. So like there's cliffs everywhere and shit. I'm like, maybe I can knock this fucking thing off, you know, and we don't have to deal with it, you know. And like, sure enough, I fucking fired that arrow and it's like, boom, knocked it off. And it's like fucking falls into the chasm and dies on one hit. And I was just like, oh my fucking God! Fucking <laughs> <laughs> like, and like, it's, like, it's so, that's the cool thing about an environment like this is like, the you know, I think there's pessimism if you try shit that's on, on more on rails or on a, in a game that's more on rails. So like a game like this with so much like you just don't know what's going to happen. So like you'll try shit that like maybe you probably wouldn't try. And then when it, if it actually works, like that's again, like generating an emotion that a lot of video games can't generate because a lot of the expectation, like you have the expectation of what, there's only so many things that can fucking happen here. You know what I mean? And like, it, yeah, it was just a really cool moment that uh, again, I'm just uh, not many games. Um, give me these days um, so yeah so yeah very very fucking good and i mean i don't even you know well we got that maybe friday and i don't know friday i mean i probably played we probably put in i don't even know 30 hours or something already like just like <laughs> we played it all of all of saturday because we were up at lake arrowhead and yeah. the fucking hur- hurricanes hitting here so we're like oh, we should probably yeah we man. should yeah we should we should probably leave uh and not be in the mountains for a fucking hurricane and uh so yes yeah, so we drove down saturday night but we played all saturday morning got back here played some more played all of sunday uh, and, and a lot of Friday night, you know, so it's just a shit time. And then same thing last night. Once, once she got home from work, uh, and dinner was out of the way, we got another couple of hours. So yeah, it's, it's something we'll be playing a lot of. There's no question. And, um, wow, okay. Okay. So it's worth the hype. Right. Yeah. It seems, seems pretty good. I mean, I was going to say like we've only had it for a few days, but again, at that many, uh, that hour count, I think like the exploratory nature of it, you can't lean on that anymore. I think you got an idea of what it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pretty fucking good. Nice. Uh, word. Okay, let's fucking talk about uh, an old video game instead. So let's set this baby up. The time is a hundred years before Simon Belmont's birth. The moon burns red overhead and black clouds loom large on the horizon. All is still and quiet. Only the call of a distant crow stirs the cold night air. Suddenly, thunder roars out of the Mormon mountains and into the village of Warakaya. Like the yell of an angry giant, the terrible sound shakes homes and shops as if they were sapling branches. Uh, who the f- this, like, who did these motherfuckers hire to write this? Like, this sure as shit is not a Konami employee. You know, this is like, I don't know, this is like Stephen King tier shit laying down this kind of fire prose. Somebody uh, so, went hard. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, Konami's shit's usually, Contra was good too, but this is next level, I think. Well, maybe because it's third in the franchise, maybe they're like, hey, 
we yeah let's devote some resources money. yeah this yeah. is our everything we got hire who sure. we can you know sure 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 the beginning of understanding what the value of a franchise is no sh- no question but yeah still a bit jarring for the time anyways but no one blinks an eye the village is dead calm for all the people have fled after receiving warnings from the great beyond that Count Dracula has assembled a mighty army of evil, and they're poised to march up from the valley of graveyards to bury mankind in a tomb of terror. Unfortunately, there's no corner on earth that won't be gobbled up by this bloodthirsty legion of swamp dragons, slasher skeletons, and forces of the undead. The last line of defense is you, Trevor Belmont, the forefather of Simon Belmont, and the origin of the Belmont warlord chromosomes. But your chances are slimmer than Jim. So, real fucking weird to toss in a Slim Jim meat right? stick Right? Like, what are we... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They slipped up. Yeah, they're, they're... yeah. That, that, that's a wild uh, <laughs> contemporary reference for the whatever. Uh, and the chest pounding about Warlord chromosomes is, is a little off kilter as well, I think. That, that's fucking... That's Interesting. also weird to talk about the chromosomes of the... You know, I don't know. That's right. just... And it's it's capitalized like they're making yeah, oh yeah all these yeah all the pronouns yeah they're 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 yes in all the fucking copy they are they capitalize so much shit that does not seem warranted to me yeah that's <laughs> it's it's very funny how pro how much they pronoun up all of this stuff anyways in fact the only real edge you have of this fang sharpened freak is your power to transform into three different partner spirits grant dynasty the ferocious ghost pirate sifa the mystic warlord and alucard dracula's forgotten son each of these spirits will confront you as you fight through 17 possible levels of never-ending fright, including the Haunted Ship of Fools, the Clock Tower of Untimely Death, and Cursed Castle. You must also possess the strength to wield the mighty Battle Axe and Mystic Whip, which were given to you by the Poltergeist King. <laughs> so go forth, young Trevor, into the cold black night, where death lurks around every corner and evil lingers on every stone. And remember, if your courage and cunning are less than magnificent, or if you fail to choose the correct paths of fate... You'll be banished to the world of the undead, and zombies will rule until the end of time. So, very low stakes, Sitch. Don't get your britches in a bunch about it. No big deal. This is just a very casual problem we're dealing with in a very casual way here in Castlevania 3. What uh, what kind of game? What kind of game is this undertaking? This is, of course, a side-scrolling action platformer. And... (laughs) I was actually happy about that. This, I, I picked the game up and kind of like I said, we chose to play this game. Like it, it elicited some nostalgia, but like the platforming action itself was better than I remember when I think about Castlevania games. So. I, yes, I will have things to say about controls too. There are many improvements. They didn't fix everything. <laughs> I agree with that. This dropped in September 1990, stateside, and that is after a December 22nd release in Japan the holiday season prior, and there's just nothing left to discuss about this day in 1990 stuff. Uh, At this point, we've just covered so many fucking 1990 games. We've highlighted damn near every box office and billboard chart leader the whole year, (laughs) September in particular, so it's a good thing we're working our way into 1991 Uh. in our timeline soon. So we have some new pop culture shit to discuss. The cover art is the customary silver box Konami vibes of the era, and the key artwork is everything the third installment in the storied franchise should have been. Like you mentioned, resources being diverted to this game. Like I think this this key art is emblematic of that. Uh, 
to the max. It's illustrated with a watercolor look to it. Trevor is squared up with an oncoming animated skeleton with a bone raised above his head. That skeleton is about to taste Trevor's whip. Sifa <laughs> is kind of, they're each kind of like a tear back, uh, each one of the, the four characters. Sifa is behind him, torching a sea dragon with a flame spell. Grant the Nasty hangs from an archway, cutlass drawn, and aiming at a large bird of some kind, which is so accurate because there's so many of those fucking birds in this game. <laughs> and I'm guessing that is Alucard in giant bat form up in the sky above the sun, setting on a very cathedral-inspired castle and graveyard. So this is from an artist by the name of Tommy Dubois, and I can't fucking believe we've never talked about this guy before, dude. I did, I did a little bit of a dive on this guy. So he... He did the cover art for so many of the Konami and Ultra U.S. releases. Bayou Billy, Blades of Steel, Top Gun, Super C, Double Dribble, Snake's Revenge. And I was a little shocked to find that he did not do either of the first two Castlevanias, despite them feeling plenty similar to this, you know, but... Maybe not the case. This style to write to, to Yeah, and yeah, yeah that, again, it's a testament to why they fucking maybe stuck with him so much is because he could come in and like do what they asked, whatever that might be. And and he will keep banging on them, or keep banging them out, rather, on the Genesis and SNES into 1994. So this guy has a long list of work that we are familiar with. And nice. Konami also, this is pretty cool, Konami also had him handle a 2019 Contra release. They brought him back, right? And that's the same year Limited Run Games had him handle another Konami retro revisit called Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. So, okay. yeah, so he, you know, is so burrowed into the lore that, like, my, when when things are happening contemporarily, they're like, this guy is he's the he's guy. from the scene. Let's bring him back. Yeah, he's the guy. You gotta go get that guy. Yeah. He's the guy. Right, right. Yeah, he's up there. I would say he's up there with Boris Vallejo as far as being prolific with fantasy-themed artwork. Also, real big into Christianity-themed artwork. Mm-hmm. Looking at his website, you can check his shit out at TomDubois.com, which <laughs> the website is... Uh, yeah, the artwork is great, but the website looks like it hasn't been updated since the mid-'90s. Uh, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's seemingly packed with actual e-commerce potential. You can actually buy prints and stuff off of it which i when you first loads up you're like there's no way i this is an active website (laughs) it looks like yeah it looks crazy dude it looks like some angel fire shit for sure whatever must be working for him so moving to the back of the box it has six count them six screenshots you think we're fucking around castlevania stragglers curse over here at konami fucking headquarters six screenshots Uh, so yeah, lots of visual fire to look at, and uh, you can only stop Dracula from drawing first blood is the bolded headline above the pitch copy, and the pitch copy itself is kind of funny. It's almost exactly the same writing that's in the manual synopsis that I just read, mm-hmm. just reorganized into a different order. So they like like all the shits there: Belmont Warlord chromosomes, paths of fate, slasher skeletons, all pronounced like you highlighted. You know what I mean? It's it's so weird to me. They like why change it if you if you're just gonna? I mean, I guess maybe they had to pare it down, and that warranted some reorganization. Maybe is the logic there. But yeah, it was just funny to me how like I feel like I was reading the same. I thought it was crazy for a second. I was like. <laughs> It's the same thing, but it's not the same thing. It's a fucking weird choice. Uh, (laughs) So into the manual, it is 24 pages, color cover, and black and white innards. And I love, 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 love the little blurb they dropped in above the TOC. It reads, congratulations, you're now the proud owner of Konami's authentic version of Castlevania III Dracula's Curse for the Nintendo Entertainment System. We suggest that you read the following instructions thoroughly before you risk your neck. (laughs) 
Can I just say, with that in mind, I'm very sad. I had a very, very interesting experience where I, when I looked up to my friend Google and I said, hey, Google, can you get me the Castlevania 3 instruction manual? The manual it returned to me was not for Castlevania 3. And I did not realize that the entire time I played. I just realized, I just thought, this manual is shitty. It tells me nothing necessary. <laughs> yeah, when like, you were saying that to me, you said that to me in the text chat. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, it's yeah, got dude, a whole section I, for... I, yeah, didn't even know. So what the, was it for? After I beat the game, it was for Castlevania, like the original one. <laughs> and I didn't even notice. Uh, I was just like, I was like, how do I use Alucard? Like, what am I doing? So I didn't even, I don't, we'll get into it later when it happens. But like, I didn't even know Alucard could turn into a bat. Like I had a whole, all kind of stuff that I didn't even know. until I pulled uh, this well, up and I was just like, oh my gosh, this kind of explains things. Yeah, that's kind of what manuals do. Yeah. You know what they call that, Jay? User error. (laughs) That was definitely me. I I think it was an autocorrect, right? Like, I think it autocorrected and I didn't even realize it. I just clicked the PDF at the top. Like, oh, yeah, it's always the one at the top. That's the one. Nope. The the details. Nope. Uh, it's, it's in the details. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Very yeah, bad. when you said that in the text chat, I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, there's yeah, it like goes that has specific specific sections for the individual <laughs> spirits. Even I was like, I don't see how that could be the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, all my complaints have nothing to do with wrong manuals, so we'll at least have some valid some some. Uh, <laughs> Criticisms that aren't founded in user error to talk about. Yeah, well, that 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 actually started to inform how I played the game and how I approached lo- like not looking up things. So it, that sets the stage. So we'll get into that. Okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> I look forward to the narrative. How to play in the graveyard titles pages six, seven, and this is a sort of general list of things you need to know. And I dig how they tell us to try and remember our Cub Scout days and give it your best shot. Have we talked about this before, Jay? Were you in Boy Scouts? Uh, no, I was not in Boy Scouts, no. Ah, that's so surprising for me to hear. I feel like you were an activity-oriented child based on Oh, I the... definitely was, but it was mostly sports. Sports, like yeah. Sports are stuffed through the church at the time. Okay. Yeah, I was, uh, if I haven't said it, have I said it before? Have we talked about, have we talked about this before? I feel like we, we've mentioned it. Mentioned it, yeah. Once. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure, I know I've said I quit in fourth grade because the, the meetings were on the same night as The Simpsons. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that, that put me, I got to almost, I was working on my Weeblo badge, I believe. I had my, I had my Bobcat, which is the first one. I had my Wolf badge. See how I'm signaling where they go on your I know, like, what is that? <laughs> yeah, they go on a diamond, these four, like, these, like, the four main badges. There's a million other badges, too. That's part, that's, honestly, I think that's the only thing I liked about it, you was just, like, collecting, collecting all the badges. <laughs> like, like, I don't know, I, I like the outdoor stuff, too. I enjoyed some of the activities and shit, also, but there was no question that, like, collecting the badges was the number one thing for me. There's no question in my mind. Uh, but, yeah, I got the, the bobcat, I got the wolf, I got the bear, and I was the Weeblo badge required. It had this thing went, which great. The hell is a Weeblo? First of all, like what? what is uh, it, the <laughs> emblem on the badge was a it was a corn cob. I don't know exactly what a Weeblo is. Hmm. I'm sure that was well, in the just, book. You're just saying that like it's a thing. I should know what that is. Along with bear, cat. Yeah, I like, guess. I mean, it, it's like the most. It's one of the you know. 
I don't know if you're if you were a Boy Scouts, it's like a, just an iconic part of it. So I guess that's part of it. I guess, but yeah, I don't. I I'm sure I'm sure the book, which is funny. I thought it was at Lake Arrowhead. There's like a little mini library at this cabin that we rented, and the bookcase has a fucking old school Boy Scouts Weeblow. Uh, I don't know what to call it. Each each badge had like a book that you had to buy. Of course, it's all just a pyramid scheme. But it's you had a book you had to buy, and the book had all the activities and all the things you had to do to take the steps to earn to get that badge to get the badges. You know, so the Weeblo book they had one, and like it's the exact same Weeblo book I had to do. Like it has, some kid wrote his name in the front of it. Like oh my god, I just went off in a hole. I just sat there and read the whole fucking thing. Basically, <laughs> incredible, incredible, incredible. But yeah, you had, for the Weeblo part, you had, they had this like three color. A fabric strip thing that hung from your shoulder that you had to get all these pins for. And each pin was like, there was a naturalist pin and a geology pin and like all these different practices of nature-minded shit, you know? I think there was a swimming one or aquatics or some shit, you know? So like, uh, you had to get a certain number of those to get to the get the Weeblo badge, and I wasn't quite there yet when I when I quit. Slacker, you gotta Any, finish in life, Josh. Uh, well, finish. dude, I was, I was, I was such a quitter as a child, dude. I quit Boy Scouts, I quit rest, bitty wrestling, I quit soccer, uh, I quit seventh grade football, I quit basketball in ninth and eleventh grade. I was that boy's got a lot of quitting him. <laughs> are you saying? Are you saying our fraternity days like made you stay? Like, are, did the yelling out? Did I? Did I finally convince you? Was it me? That perhaps, I per, stay perhaps it was you specifically. Perhaps it was you specifically yesterday that instilled uh, a true work ethic in me. That that is potentially it. I changed your life. You're I wrong. tried to I tried to quit. I tried to quit twice in hell week, I think. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> <laughs> I tried to quit also. So yeah, it wasn't out of me entirely for sure by then. Which is funny, because yeah, now I'm like I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where that clicked over exactly. That that'd be a fun little psychology experiment to pinpoint that. Cause yeah, I am now like there ain't fucking nothing that's not getting done until completion in my life now. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, a psycho, I'm a psychopath about, <laughs> about not doing things half-assed. Uh, no excuses, oh yeah, well, just results. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder when that clicked over. Uh, maybe, maybe I need to just go into some individual therapy uh, and, and work that out. Let us know how that, let us know how that goes. Oh, yeah, I'll, yeah I'll, I'll check back with you guys about how my... That's gone. The game loop is explained explained here rather in clearing a level of terror. That's what they call the levels, and it explains there are seventeen gruesome levels, and to clear one, you must defeat the the level's ultimate evil and then grasp the ball of light to replenish your life gauge. They then get into how dying and living works, and that when Trevor is partnered with another spirit, they both share the same life gauge. And they also mention here the levels are timed, and if that expires, so does so does. Trevor or your spirit, whomever, whomever you're playing as at the moment. And I don't know if that, I did that ever really, I don't think that was really, a couple of times I felt it, the timer I mean, uh, but it never, I never got to where like, oh, I'm going to die, you know, so, or even like true yeah. fear of it. Just like, I feel like those level. maybe, maybe early on, like, but then never again, it was never really a problem. Okay. How to Stir Up the Dead, headlines page 7, and this is about navigating the title screen possibilities. And it is a password-enabled game, and they are sure to tell you to be sure to write your password down for safekeeping after dying. And I feel like that that's always a word they use in these manuals, safekeeping. And 
that's not a common word, safekeeping, you know. So it's, it's interesting to me how frequently I feel I see it in NES instruction manuals. Yeah, I'm sure they saw, they did the research, they did the research and saw other game companies did that. So they're like, hey, we, we can do it. And everybody's just like sharing it now. <laughs> yeah, safekeeping. Okay, this it's is common acceptable. industry vernacular. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's also a quasi-hidden sound options mode. You can reach from the title screen by pressing A, B, and start simultaneously. And that's cool. You can listen to tracks here uh, like they like these usually work. But it also suggests that you can change the music you listen to while playing the game. And hmm. that's not something you can do in many NES games. Honestly, Dr. Mario is the only other one I can think of it where you pick. Just, and there's just two tracks to pick from in that case. Chill and uh, whatever the other one is. So... That's rare to me, but and I don't see exactly how. There's so much music in the game. There's no, I don't know. I don't, maybe that's just the first level. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly. I wasn't going to fence test that, but I'm curious what exactly, how exactly that gets employed. You choosing yeah. the music, you know. I definitely did not try that. I wouldn't. Mm. I, yeah, I was fine with the music as it was. So I was, I was yeah. just trying to. Play <laughs> right. Yeah. Stuff, dude. Yeah, I want to experience it. I want to experience it as the developers intended. I don't want to, but you know, whatever. Again, but honestly, you know, that's. Uh, I think that plays into one of the core strengths of this game, which is the replayability. Uh, there is a lot of inclination and incentive to play this game again. You know, so features that that further that uh, make total sense. I think. You could kind of customize your replay any way you want, you know. Pages 8 and 9 are an illustrated breakdown of characters we get to play as in the game, titled Meet Your Team of Vampire Hunters. Could you please lead us off with Trevor's explanation, Jay? Trevor C. Belmont. Trevor is the infamous forefather of Simon Belmont, the mighty warrior who pulverized Dracula in Castlevania and again in Simon's Quest. Trevor has a number of oldie but goodie attack items that have been given to him by the Poltergeist King. These include the Mystic Whip, Battle Axe, Banshee Boomerang, Dagger, (laughs) and Sacred Water. Trevor is also the master of special items, including a pocket watch, invisibility potion, and the rosary. Is that to suggest that no one else gets those? Uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Who the fuck? Where's the Poltergeist King? We keep hearing about him. I, I didn't meet him in my playthrough. <laughs> I don't know. I'm assuming he's going to like show up in like Castlevania 4 or something. Like, you know, like <laughs> yeah. This... yeah. He's clearly so, a key player in this whole <laughs> In this fucking, universe. yeah, this universe here. The next one is Alucard. As the son of Count Dracula, Alucard once tried to prevent Trevor from accompanying accomplishing his mission. However, he reached a point where he could no longer abide by his father's evilness and is now looking for a partner to help him put an end to his father's wicked plans. A resident of underground tunnels, Alucard attacks with a ball of destruction, which he can also fire in three directions if he captures a special power booster. Alucard's primary strength, though, is his ability to turn himself into a bat. However, he cannot attack while he is airborne and will turn into a human form if his wings are clipped by an evil enemy. Grant Dynasty. Like that that is how you say that, right? Like that's I think so, that's yeah. That's what I'm saying. Alright. Count Dracula used his sinister powers to turn his pirate captain into a ghost. And as one of Dracula's gruesome gang, 
he will attack you from the top of the clock tower of untimely death. However, if you can defeat his scout, this scoundrel, his spirit will join you. He's small, nimble, and has a strong spring in his step, so he's able to jump up on the walls and ceilings and stick to them like glue. Grant's primary attack weapons are an axe and a dagger. Another of his weapons is his skill to scurry along hidden routes not accessible to Trevor. Unfortunately, both his body and his ego bruise easily. In other words, I... he's a little bitch. Don't select him. <laughs> I don't know. I never. I didn't get to experience him. The I do find it interesting that if he's the captain, why doesn't he have a stock captain hat? Right. Well, I guess yeah. pirates. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess. No, no, that's no. It's more no, of no. like. No, that's, in 1990, captain, captain in 1990, a pirate captain had to have the hat. <laughs> There's no. There was no. Uh, no variants. Literally, yeah. every pi- every pirate captain depicted in all of history up to that point has the captain hat. He definitely <laughs> just looks like a servant of some sort. Right, exactly <laughs> right. That's what I mean. It's like, it's just so, uh, it's such an archetyped hierarchy uh, pirate stuff, you know. I, <laughs> I, I, I just don't, I honestly can't think of a single instance where the captain wouldn't have that hat and a dude with this on his head wouldn't be... Just like a guy that had to crawl up the thing right. <laughs> into like, the did crow's the captain nest. Captain get you know? humbled some kind of way. Like what? Yeah. What's going know, on? Yeah, it's interesting. And the last one is Sifa Bellinades. Sifa, the music, the mystic warlord of Warakaya, is also a vampire hunter who walks quite quickly and carries a big stick. Rumors of his death were spread through the eastern, throughout Eastern Europe, but in the truth, he was captured by Cyclops, the one-eyed ultimate evil. Sifa uses his Warakai staff to attack. Other attack favorites of his include flames, frozen crystals, and lightning bolts. With these, he can destroy evil enemies before they get close to him. However, his skin is very thin and blisters easily when blasted by grotesque enemy attacks. To score big, Sifa must attack before his enemies find him. Let's just say, put a note here, if I had actually read this, this version of the manual before playing... I think I would have wanted to get Sifa. I don't know how you get to Sifa, but I would have wanted I, to get to Sifa. I I very much think yeah. I, ex- I expected that. I, that's why I was yeah. I was I'm curious to hear how your thing went because yeah. I, as I was playing with this and I I did Sifa was who I uh, latched on to early and yeah. I was thinking of you uh, through much of it that this would be the character you would probably want. Yeah. Interesting thing though. So this is a whole fucking thing in the story. Uh, all those references in the manual there are he, his pronouns, you know. It's a male in the manual there. And from the Castlevania wiki, uh, it reads, She is a witch from the region of Wallachia, where she initially had to conceal her identity by posing as a man in order to escape the witch trials of the time. So, yeah, there's like a really, Uh, yeah, there's a really deep, cool lore generation uh, thing to explain that was probably just like I don't know. My, my expectation was that it would be like you know boys don't want to play as girls in 1990, and yeah. therefore this is a guy. You know, was what I assumed this would be. And honestly, after playing the whole game, I still don't exactly feel like I know really what their intent was. You know, like this is a that wiki stuff could very well be, and I still kind of feel like maybe just after the fact justifications of all this ambiguity you know like i don't feel like they thought about it as much as the lore 
the current lore suggests. Right. <laughs> you it, know? Was supposed but, to be a, it was supposed to be a woman, like somebody made the in the manual, like you said, they're like, nah, nah, it's gotta be a guy. And then afterwards yeah. they're like, no, like we gotta, this is what we gotta do, you know? Right, right. Damn, but there's a moment, you know, uh, there's, a, I will talk about, there's a moment that kind of undermines that, or not kind of, you know, it might really uh, inarguably undermine it, I don't know, we'll, we'll talk about it later. Okay. Page 10 has more on the password system. It's a grid, so similar to Mega Man's brilliant dot matrix idea, but here they're using pixel art of various game iconography, emojis basically, heart, medallion, whip, etc. So um, better than... Hard to discern alphanumerics for sure, so dig that. Pages 14 to 15 have an item breakdown. Turkey legs are gone in this game. That's one of like wall meat is one of the you know stock Castlevania <laughs> jokes, and in this case, the wall meat is no longer a turkey leg. It is now the leg of a werewolf, Ooh, and that is fucking extreme. <laughs> uh, and we have some Castlevania staples here as well: hearts as weapon ammo, bags of dough for points, so on and so forth. There's yes, a pocket watch to freeze enemies for a limited time, an invisibility potion that makes you invisible and therefore invulnerable. That's exactly how it reads in the manual, and uh, I don't. I don't know. Like I think they're making a joke there. I'm not. Into, you know what I mean? Like I don't know exactly what to do with that because invulnerable and invisible are not the same thing. <laughs> Definitely not the same thing. Yeah, they're not the same thing. Literally, they're not the same thing in any other fantasy lore I've ever seen. I don't know if they're just saying that that gets mixed up a lot. I'm not sure what that means. Yeah, I wasn't sure how to interpret that in the manual. There's a rosary that kills everything on the screen, and there's also double and triple powers that add to your secondary weapon fire rate. That's one of the limitations with the secondary weapons is, in most cases, you can only have one on the screen at a time. So you have to let the animation fully play out before you can, before you can fire another, and that is very limiting at times, and these are highly appealing, particularly for boss battles. So that is a cool addition. Pages 16 through 19 are weapon breakdowns for each character, and we'll go through these in our playthrough when we first encounter the character. A handful of enemies get some illustrated breakdown love on pages 20 and 21, and they title it Count Dracula's Cast of Evil Characters, and then we out on the manual. History. Gotta be some. Uh, yeah. So this is actually a prequel to the original, and I did not know that. Like, I was very confused at about them at first saying like oh the grandfather like well what are we talking about here so it's also non-linear which i don't know about you but to me coming in was kind of concerning i was like oh damn like they they're expanding it here and also to note at this point because i had read the old manual i'm thinking (laughs) nine total stages (laughs) as i'm into the game and i'm playing and we'll get to that side note i'm very confused like what is happening yeah i keep having to make choices why what is going on here that's Um, incredible yeah the and and same problem or not problem but like confusing aspect of the leveling or the level progression you got the like the parts of the levels and like i initially even though we went through a whole thing the first time we played Castlevania, and I still, when at first, was not getting it. And honestly, it gets more because of the branching paths. It gets ultra confusing too. I mean, I had figured out the fact that we're progress. There's a few bits to each 
actual stage by then. But just, yeah, the leveling progression here is fucking all over the place. And it's, you know, honestly, the biggest problem with it, it's fine for gameplay, I suppose. But the biggest problem with it for pocket, like, trying to, like, make heads or tails of it for, like, a podcasting note structure is, like, a fucking nightmare. <laughs> so, yeah, like, it's tough. Uh, real tough from our perspective. Yeah, for sure, man. I, I will say, I think, like, this version abandons kind of what happened in, in Castlevania 2, which was, like, more role-playing game, like, more role-playing stuff and things like that. And I think maybe that's why originally I was against playing Castlevania because of that. And I was like, oh, I, never, I didn't really want to do that at the time, um, which is also why I think I was pleasantly surprised playing this game um, yeah. because it was not that. <laughs> it's more of a it's very, Yeah, it's very, very much returned to the first one uh, in, in so many ways. I agree. But I don't, you know, I, I appreciate Simon's Quest. I like that that aspect of it, uh, and I, you know, I I don't have nearly the vitriol that so many do for that uh, <laughs> stepping away That's from the not, format. Yeah. Um. Anyways, okay. Word. Well, the one thing that was kind of a, a history thing that was a derivative of going through the manual in the box art. There's so they the box art has the. Uh, it touts that contest that we saw in the last game pro, the going to Transylvania <laughs> shit, that trip yeah. thing. So I looked into this and uh, this, this cat named Damien McFerrin did some real live journalism stuff for a timeextension.com piece last October. And he was trying to track down the winner of the grand prize, the, the trip to Dracula's castle. Uh, and some fun trivia he cited in there was that this castle has been pro- proven to have no actual connection to the real life Vlad the Impaler, the Wallachian, Wallachian. How do you hey, how do you pronounce that? That's looks I like the bottom. No of that. idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I looked it up, but I can't remember it now. Wallachian, C H I A N. That's probably a a hard uh, Wallachian ruler who inspired Bram Stoker's vamp, uh, vampire character. And there was a time when it was believed Vlad was imprisoned here after being captured by the Hungarians in 1462, but this has been discredited by modern historians as well. So there's just no connection of this castle to the individual who is like historically thought of as the inspiration for Dracula. So that's interesting. But So this guy trying to, again, find the person that won the contest. Some work was done to reach out to Konami of America's SVP at the time about this. No response from, from that person. Also, no easily found internet hits about about him. And scrutiny of the contest rules have brought it to light that the winner would have elected, or could have elected, rather, for a flat 5K cash prize if they didn't want to dick around with traveling to Romania, which is quite viable in seeing Halloween 91 is when this would have happened, right? And if the person would have traveled then, it was only a couple years after a really bloody 1989 revolution that ended a 42-year communist rule by way of executing the Communist Party leader and his wife, which does not sound like a dope time for tourism. And the yeah, the the it's it's a theory that either the individual elected that or that Konami decided to just nix the whole trip internally for the same reason. Yeah, is kind of what the hypothesis I, was. You know, I feel like that was more like a Konami thing. They're like, yeah. Um, so how about this instead? Right. Yeah. yeah and it's yeah, and it is so 1990 video game company to like, oh, what a cool idea, and do no research about like you know, there's no. Then somebody come over the top like, absolutely not. What we're <laughs> 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, everything... such a liability and a half. What are... Right. 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 Uh, yeah. Legal team probably much smaller in 1990 than in 2023. Their 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 legal dude or their consulting person that they exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, billable hours to an exactly. outside outside counsel that they do not want to spend money on. <laughs> so many things don't make it. Don't don't make it. Don't get messed. Don't get faxed over. I guess at the time is yeah. the way they would have communicated. <laughs> Okay, well, I did an economic analysis because uh, oh. I am a good little podcaster, so let's discuss that. The premise for this is how much did cartography materials and services cost in the creation of the map of Drax Castle and the surrounding countryside that we often revisit in our playthrough of this video game? Hmm. So, Castlevania takes place 215 years before the events of the first Castlevania games, which isn't exactly what the manual says, but that's what all the fucking interneting says. I don't get how that works, <laughs> but whatever the case, we're going off 215 years before the events, and this is widely accepted by Castlevania nerds as occurring in the year 1476. And Wallachia is a historical region of Romania that was founded in the early 14th century by one Basarab I after a rebellion against Charles I of Hungary. In 1417, they fell under Ottoman rule, which I'm sure they were stoked about. And <laughs> a very famous map I was able to find, uh, a certifiable timestamp on, uh, was the Fra Mauro map, which was a map created by a monk by that same name around 1450 AD. So basically created around the same time. A very uh, well-known map by map people, I guess. I didn't know about it. <laughs> uh, but this is regarded as, yes, one of the finest pieces of medieval, medieval cartography in existence. It is a large round map sized at around two meters in diameter, painted on vellum, and stretched in a wooden frame. So it's a big-ass piece of art, really. Uh, and the map depicts the world known at the time, at least by people like Fra, anyhow. And this was Europe, Asia, and Africa. And... An interesting fun fact about Fra's creative decision-making, he went with an orientation of putting the Southern Hemisphere at the top because he felt a previous cartographer's map, some cat named Ptolemy, I think, was wrong. And, you know, that Fra, always the contrarian. <laughs> but yeah, he just like, he just like, I think he just, you know, just like, I was just like a hater, you know, just like, I don't like this fucking guy. I'm doing mine differently. And like, the science was so archaic that you could, that he could get away with it. Uh, but yeah, so it's an upside down map, essentially, if you look this thing up, uh, which I highly recommend doing. It's fucking wild looking. Uh, it's F-R-A and his last name is Mauro, M-A-U-R-O. Google that. It'll be the first thing that comes up for it. It's a crazy looking fucking, not, just, <laughs> you know, it's just so different than what, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's, I guess it's, it's like in a two pronged crazy. It's like, Weird how wrong it is and the orientation's wrong, but it's also weird how fucking right a lot some of it is and just how, how could they possibly have had any fucking ability to make an even half-assed correct map of half of the world, more than half the world at the time, you know, just wild, 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 wild. So, the making of this map was a major undertaking, as you might expect. Uh, it took several years to complete. And the map was not created by Fra Moreau alone, but by a team of cartographers, artists, and copyists led by him and using some of the most expensive techniques available at the time. The price of the map would have been about an average copyist annual salary at the time. That's how much uh, is, is, which seems low to me. <laughs> uh, even a, a whole year like, I understand that's a whole year annual salary, but like, I'm talking like 60. I feel like, 
<laughs> Say again? So it's like, like 60,000 or so. Uh, well, we'll get to it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, putting that alone in the modern context doesn't, make, doesn't seem right to me because it's such, you know, it's economies of scale. It's just not the the tools are not commonly available to make this happen, including the surveying required. You know, I mean, everything about it was in its infancy and that should have a higher cost than a developed industry's costs, you know? So, yeah. So it's crazy to me that it could have been that low. Even looking at what copyists made at the time. Uh, uh, well, you know, here, I guess we'll get to that too. So maybe, maybe I'm off on that and that's where the discrepancy lies, but yeah, it's not easy to find a medieval European scribe wage table, you know. So, uh, so you know, I did some hunting around, and I found an interesting Cora write-up explaining what the life of a scribe was like. Was the first thing I found. The links in the, in the show notes to that, and the, a link is to the show notes for that. And this stated that most likely scribes came from wealthy families and got into it somewhat out of necessity due to a lack of other options, and. The route in was often via the church, priests tasking these individuals with writing projects, you know, and 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 map making projects and just whatever it might be, um, because wealthy families were, of course, more prominent in the church hierarchy or whatever, and most easily accessible. And yeah, I guess the the rationale they had for this being like a necessity for these. Uh, young, mostly men, was it was like the younger children in the families that were given fewer options as far as like taking up the family business or whatever it might be, you know, yeah. so they would kind of have to like, what else whatever can they do? <laughs> right. So I found a medieval price table also in the show notes that put a college fellow at Cambridge in 1450s annual wages at five British sterling pounds. Okay. Which that'll, that's, so I, that's, that was the closest thing I could find that seemed like an academic, a low level academic career to go off of. So five British pounds is the, five. is the number. Yeah. So, you know, that's, I, it's that? not that that seems terribly small to me. For the time, especially if you look at the comparative, I should—I guess I should have listed some of the numbers, the comparative numbers. You know, seeing like five British pounds is like is again, it's an annual salary of a skilled labor. So it's not, you know, I mean, a fucking farmer or something. It would take them years to make this. So uh, yes, not a small number comparatively the time, but still seems crazy to me. You, you can't break five up too many times, you know. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, you can actually. Well, you're, you're, you know, it's like dollars and cents. They, it's different. They, I forget what, I can't think what they're calling offhand right now, but they, you know, they have penny, they have smaller denominations. Pound, pound is the upper level of, of the money system. There are lower units. Oh, that, that's uh, right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 So the Ottoman empire, which, as I said, that they are the ones that had kind of taken over control of this area, uh, which is, you know, they're not under British pounds. <laughs> That's an England thing. So, you know, so we got to figure, we got we got two different currencies we got to kind of work out here. So the Ottoman Empire also used a silver-based currency, luckily, so we could kind of equate them, I think, on that basis. Uh, but in 1450, this form of money was called the Akchi, uh, A-K-C-H-E. And these coins had 0.85 grams of silver content, and a British pound sterling had 
one pound of silver, hence the name. So the there are 453.59 grams in a pound, so we can kind of like unify these and say it's 85% of a pound, basically, in, in one of these Ottoman uh, currency, the Akshis. So if you multiply that out, you get 533.64 grams of silver in in Akshi to have Fra's map made. So, yes, it would have been 453, right? All right, yeah. I'm just fucking myself up here. It's too much math. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so it, basically, if you work out all the math, it would have cost about 534 Ottoman Akshi in Walakaya to have Fra's map made. But the map that was made in Castlevania was much smaller. So how much smaller? How much? What, what are we going to, like, I had to figure out a way to kind of, like, knock this down. So busting out some high school geometry for finding the area of a circle, I got to Fra's map being 17,573 square miles, okay? So okay, okay. that's, like, so that's like, like I said, it's about it's about... Easiest to think of it is just half the world. Uh, and I'm going to eyeball the Castlevania map at about five by three miles, so 15 square miles, you know, just kind of thinking about a castle, a little bit of countryside, yada, yada, yada. So you can 15 divided by 17,573 multiplied by the 534 Akchi to get a, gets us to 0.46 Akchi to have the Cursed Castle map surveyed and created. So to get this to modern day dollars now, responsibly anyhow, we have to get it back to British pounds. <laughs> so we have to take the 0.46 multiplied by 0.85. So we have 0.391 sterling pounds now to make the map, to make the Castlevania map. And the Bank of England calculates inflation from 1450 to July 23 as 975.63%. So that's how much you're multiplying by to get it to modern day dollars in pounds. So you get 484, this is what I mean. You get 484.49 modern day British pounds. Okay. So okay. like I decide I'm going to double this on the basis of the hazards of the land surveying job. Like this is not, you're surveying Dracula's castle. So <laughs> I feel like you have to, have, there's got to be some a hazard premium. pay in there. Yeah. 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 There's got to be, a, there's got to be some hazard pay in there. So we can call it 968.94 pounds. Uh, so it's called a grand with taxes and convenience fees, basically. And it seems, yeah, like a pretty reasonable cost, I think, given, again, all those things that I mentioned about how. I just feel like, you know, everything, the ink, the fucking parchment, the everything would have been, I think, so expensive at the time. Uh, and God, just the surveying is crazy. It had to be crazy. Like, how did they even m begin to measure something to scale back then? Like, I, you know, it's just, know. it's. They're yeah. gonna have some convention, like they're taking literal steps or something. You yeah. Know, like well, yeah. Little, I mean, like, I, you know, I, I guess it's a pretty rudiment, like that little wheel thing that people can use to measure. A distance on the ground, you know, like the you've seen those, right? Where oh, you just like literally roll yeah, the thing, and it like oh every turn is a certain amount, whatever. Like, you know, you could do that, but that's a lot of walking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Either some, way, from for some people, what else are you gonna do? You know, like what else? What else you got going on? I get yeah, <laughs> you got time. Might as well go around and fucking measure things. Yeah, I, I get perhaps. I guess um, it was a whole team of people. Maybe it was a lot of people, and if they're all making fucking tuppence, then. <laughs> Maybe it works out financially, but anyway, from Trevor's perspective, there's no question that it's well worth the investment uh, to have this map and be able to know how to get around Dracula's castle. And you're going to find all those bags of Dracula dough anyhow, so it's really just a drop in the bucket.
that is Mad Forest. Bringing us into the playthrough of Castlevania 3 Curse Castle. And is it Curse Castle or Dracula's Curse? Dracula's Curse. <laughs> uh, Curse Castle is where it happens. A lot of curses in this shit. Yes, <laughs> There's a lot of cursing <laughs> happening as well. <laughs> also true. The uh, title screen is what we start with, and they continue the cinema theme tradition of the first two games here. Upon firing up, an animation begins. That is an effort to replicate blank film cells rolling by. Little perforations on the left and right edges, light shining through them. Eventually, an image of Dracula's castle rolls on the screen for a few beats and holds as the film strip animation keeps on keeping on. And they then cut to black before some lightning flashes, partially illuminating the title screen uh, in a few spots before the whole thing comes into view. So, nice fucking cinematic uh, start to it all. And from there, a text scroll begins on the film strip. And this reads, during the 15th century Europe, there lived a person named Dracula. He practiced sorcery in order to create a bad world filled with evil. He began taking over the continent of Europe, changing countries from good to bad. The good people of Europe tried to fight off Dracula, but no one was able to survive. Finally, the Belmont family was summoned to battle Dracula's vile forces. The Belmont family has a long history of fighting evil. The townspeople became afraid of the Belmont's superhuman power and asked them to leave the country, which is a weird choice. <laughs> They're just killing Dracula on routine. Uh, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Fortunately, the people found a mighty Belmont called Trevor, and the curse of Dracula has begun. The fate of Europe lies with Trevor. So, yeah, that's considerably more backstory than we got from the manual synopsis and has some wild elements to me. Yes, the people shit on the Bel Belmonts and banish them, no one in Europe was able to survive the latest Dracula situation. That's not good, seemingly. <laughs> and this raises the question of who the hell went out and found expatriate Trevor. Like, who? if everyone died, no one survived, who went and found him? And I think they're also really feeding you some heavy propaganda here and the idea that all the people in Europe are good people. And I think we have plenty of verification of historical facts that cite, or rather <laughs> suggest, that that is definitely not the case. So... A lot of things in there to question, I think, but whatever, it's a story. They don't fact check everything, I suppose. <laughs> right. they're, they're lucky uh, Trevor was ready, ready and willing and able to save them like this. Yeah, well, you know, I think it's like, um, you know, it's like uh, I what I think of is like a Hollywood actor that falls out of favor for whatever reason, you know, uh, Credible bad deeds or, or not, you know, either way, falls out of favor in one way or, or another. You know, they might be a little shitty about it, but ultimately, I think if an opportunity arises to really be embraced by the public again, they'll take it. They'll take it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's always better to be loved right. than, than hated, no matter <laughs> if, if you can find, if you can be offered a route there, you know, that isn't too self demeaning uh they'll take it you know and i imagine trevor felt the same way <laughs> like yeah it was pretty shit what you guys did but i mean if you're gonna put me up on a pedestal fine <laughs> especially i got the polter pol poltergeist kid <laughs> yeah, right, right. yeah yeah just supply and shit right exactly yeah i got the goods so i can i can knock this right out no problem it's wanting to be hard so it'll loop uh, right to repeating that sequence if you want slash let it, but hitting start gets that title screen back up where you can choose opening or password, and opening is interesting verbiage for game start. I don't believe I've seen that elsewhere. Uh, again, I think it's kind of like a little bit of a nod to cinema cinematic shit, you know, making it more like a movie, less like a game. 
selected it takes us to a name entry screen, which kind of fucks up the whole Planets Trevor Belmont thing, but I'm not complaining because now Todd Belmont is on the warpath. Let's fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> like, so what, yeah, I was what surprised you... as well. I was like, wait, yeah. I'm just spelling gentleman like this whole, yeah. my whole name. Like, you, didn't, you didn't go with gentleman? You went with gentleman? No, not gentleman. <laughs> a one Shit. time only for gentleman. Yeah. I guess it gives it more importance that way. <laughs> Cut from the name entry screen to Todd kneeling at an altar in front of a large crucifix. A little ditty chimes in. Todd stands up with some showmanship, spinning and flailing his cape out as he turns to camera and lets the music settle before a smash cut to playing the video game. So let's talk controls and HUD. Controls, very simple. A jumps, B attacks with the whip. Holding up on the D-pad and hitting B fires off your Warakaya War item, the secondary weapon you most recently have scooped up from mostly candles, but I guess there's a few entrances or instances. They'll drop from enemies as well in some cases. Uh, start pauses, select switches your between your partner spirit and back to Trevor or Todd, what have you. And then the HUD has a bunch of shit up top in the black bar above the play environment. We got score, we got player life gauge, and ultimate evil life gauge are stacked up on the left there. And then stage time remaining, lives remaining, and a level counter tile right and around the war item window from the score. And you'll also get whoever your spirit is will appear as a face later on once you get one there in the bottom right of the HUD as well. So we start on, we're going to, so there's no level breakdown in the manual. So I initially was uh, kind of like struggling to like how to, like what to call these places. None of that's in the manual really, at least not in an orderly fashion. They mention stuff randomly, but not in any way that you could like connect to game levels or anything. So I ended up pulling up the Nintendo Power, the last Nintendo Power 18, issue 18 that we went through and that actually lends a lot of lore to this. So I use Nintendo power 18 for a lot of the descriptions and stuff that we'll go through here. Uh, in this first one there, they call them roots instead of stages, which makes sense. I think given the branching nature of them, but the first one here is called Warakaya. So we're starting in the village that this, uh, problem is originating from, uh, the, the biggest of Dracula's attacks though. Again, the implication, this is like, all across the countryside, everywhere. All of Europe is fucked. Um, but we start in Warakai. Anyways, and then Nintendo Power description for this is Trevor begins his quest in the village of Warakai. Fearing the invasion of Dracula's undead troops and the villagers the villagers have fled, leaving Trevor alone to face the onslaught. Advanced scouts of Dracula's armies have already invaded the town. But Todd can easily master these weaker foes. <laughs> And they get right to it with the music here, as this first stage theme called Beginning has become a Castlevania series staple. I feel Konami put some serious intent behind immediately stating to the player... This is going to feel a lot more like the first NES game and a lot less Simon's Quest. Like, they right away do that to the point of, and I don't know if you recall this or not, but you open in this courtyard just like the first game where you were immediately given the opportunity to whip a few destructible power-up things, the, those lamps or uh, braziers, and you get your first, war, your first war item, the dagger, and you also get a couple of whip power-ups, and Trevor's whip has levels to it just like in the first game. 
They are leather, chain, and then a longer chain whip. And keeping that third version, just like in the first game, that gives you the longer reach is key mm. to not hating this video game. <laughs> uh, so yes, yeah, so it's very critical to maintain that. And the game's pretty good. Even if you die, the game's pretty good about getting that back to you right away, you know. But nonetheless, the any moments spent without it are very frustrating. And the manual description for the dagger, that first weapon you're getting here, reads, the dagger flies straight and fast, but it is not very powerful. And yes, it is just a... It flies right at, like, his waist-ish level, and it has a limited flight range. I don't think it goes the whole screen, if I recall yeah, correctly. Yeah, you just gotta, you just gotta have to know, like, where your hitbox range is. Right, you know, right, right. If you're I mean, jumping, I, what, what, you, what, you know there's a tight area where it's going. Yeah, what you have to actually do is get rid of this fucking weapon as soon as possible and get something better. <laughs> <laughs> Preferably the axe or boomerang, uh, because this weapon sucks, basically. Um, and also, just in, in the first game, there's no enemies out here in this courtyard, so it's just the amount that it felt like it is like it's a carbon copy of the beginning of the first game. You know, there's just no mistaking it. I don't think the intent of the deliberate facsimile nature of it. You know, what I, I, mean? I definitely felt that. I was, I was, I definitely had a moment where I'm like, was it the first one that I played, <laughs> or was it the third one that I? Played? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I definitely but, had that moment, like. Wait a minute. When yeah. old was I? Between you, between you are reading the same manual in the beginning of the game, you're like, "What the fuck is happening here?" Right? Like, like, <laughs> like, like a d- genuine like, deja vu. I played this. You know? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, yeah. The still out. So you get to the end of that courtyard, and a large wooden door opens as you pass into the next part of the route. The counter in the HUD clicks up to the level counter, I mean, clicks up to 1-2, and you find yourself in a tower with some stairs to ascend and the first sight of some Dracula minions animated skeletons. So that's all, same thing too, those doors, it's it feels exactly like the first game, and those are that is not a Simon's Quest thing at all, they don't have those. So uh, it's just another instance, even that, like the transitioning feeling, the scrolling of the screen, the door opening and closing, like kind of slamming behind you, the look of the doors, like everything is identical, I think, to the first game. And I do like the is. doors. I do like the signifying of hey, you you beat you passed a level. You know? Right. Yeah. Get, give me some on. satisfaction. I like that. Yep. And it does, yeah, it is like it's a slow scroll. And again, it's, it's that cinematic thing. And it's like it feels like a movie pan, you know? Like uh yeah, very much. Give so. you a moment to take a breath if needed right. because of what you just escaped from, kind of thing. <laughs> right. Agreed. So in the very first stairwell, I immediately noticed a massive quality of life improvement they've introduced here, just as far as the controls go. The hitbox within which you can hit up or down on the D-pad to start ascending and descending stairs is about a half step in either direction of the first stair. And that's getting on two stairwells was pinpoint exact in the first game, and it was a massive pain in the ass. Uh, Simon's Quest 2 actually was a problem with both of them. And you know, you'd often be like trying to get up some stairs in a timed manner to evade or get to an enemy or deal with some sort of environmental hazard, some drop on your head, whatever it might be, and struggling with that. So this was immediately discernible and I would overall welcome, I think. It does on the, on the like back side of this problem, it creates the problem of ending up on stairs when you don't want to be. Yes. More frequently. <laughs> I still hate being on stairs. Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah the stairs still suck. The stairs still. 
but it sucks a little less. Yes. And I guess I'll take that. But yeah, stairs are still 100% a problem. And it also looks a little goofy too. You like, well, it's like a jump cut animation when you hit up and you're not quite to the stairs yet. It's just like, you know, even if you're not facing the right way, it'll just turn you around. Like it's a little bit visually jarring too, which, you know, I don't know with these tools, I don't know how you get around that probably, but it's, it's better, but still not quite there yet. And will be a reoccurring issue, uh, particularly later on. The back half of the game, the stairs are just fuck, 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 <laughs> fuck. <laughs> so working your way up this tower, you'll pass through a beautiful stained glass window area that, while beautiful, also hides the red-hued bats hiding at the screen edges and waiting to ambush your ass when you get within a half screen of them. It is best to peg their asses with that shitty dagger. Once they aggro, they cook towards you pretty fast. So they're a problem if you if you let them get going, I think. And there is the first improvement you can get. Some holy water and a candle sconce if you want to upgrade a few screens into this ascent. And it's actually given the moniker Sacred Water in the manual, which I have to assume was a half-hearted attempt to mitigate the religious shit in the game documentation. But there's all that Christian... Iconography everywhere still, yeah, right? Exactly. So throughout, what are we, what right? Are we so yeah, about? yeah, and even the rosary is, yeah, yeah you know, like yeah. there's, I don't, if that was the motive, and you know, that's there's conjecture there. I don't. That's me guessing why they would change it because it is called holy water for sure in the yeah in Simon's Quest, and I'm pretty sure the first one too. Because I think I'm right about that. Uh, whole, uh, sacred water seemed new to me for sure. That's also not a real term. We, I think we all know holy water. We know, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 we can what see that you're bullshit uh, for sure. So, yeah, even, even more reasons. Stop to try trying to, not... to make up new stuff. Like, Yeah, it's to stop blowing smoke up my ass. I agree. <laughs> uh, but whatever. That's not new. Corporations blowing smoke up your ass. That's a tale as old as time. The manual description for the sacred water reads, This flies along an arc until it crashes onto the floor where it spills out and begins to burn, baby, burn. So, yeah, all these have, they they put a little flair in these descriptions, and I I appreciate that. It's not just a kind of fucking matter of fact. Here's what it does. Uh, They have some fun with it, and I dig that. So, yeah, it's similar. Like, the that was, it didn't do that in Simon's Quest. It would just, I don't think it would burn, would it? Not in the same way. Like, the first one, it was a column of fire. That was like a Dracula hack basically to just fucking pound him with the the holy water uh, i remember uh, which i don't believe i had the luxury of if i recall correctly i hope not given how much my memory of, of that battle is a bad one <laughs> uh but yeah I, I feel like it's a a little a little stronger of a of a of a burn here than in the second one i wouldn't really know man like i just yeah i feel like i, I never really came across this oh i would even when it. i did like, I didn't I, want it. No, I, I would always get something else, like right soon afterwards. Like I feel like I didn't have this ever for long. You know what I mean? Well, they, yeah. I mean, honestly, if you want to do that's, uh, I'm gonna get into that, but that's a problem in my opinion is that they have not fixed with this. This was a problem in the first one too. Getting your weapon taken from you, uh, like I call it the Friday the Thirteenth syndrome. The, that's a big problem in that Friday the Thirteenth game. Um, where yeah you just you know you are jumping around hitting those fucking things and like especially with his deliberate ass fucking un augmentable jump mechanics 
yeah. it's extra shitty that you get like you you, know, you can be jumping and like you can Sometimes see it you happening. Just gotta get it. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. You can see it happening more so, and then in a lot of games, because you have no control over your jump, so you like you'll you know you'll whip and like thinking it's just another hoping, expecting that it's just another fucking heart pickup for ammo, and like you'll see that it's like oh that fucking dagger, and I'm about to lose my goddamn boomerang. You got to be kidding me! Yeah. <laughs> Safe scum. That's what that means, actually. <laughs> nope, not taking that. Fuck you, Castlevania. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. At the top of this climb, you'll get back to you'll get back outside to deal with some more skeletons, but these have bone tossing skills. And as you head right down to a bridge area patrolled by flying Medusa heads, and this leads to the big wooden door and Route One Three, and you can get your first time freezing pocket watch here too, which does replace your weapon in the item window when you pick it up, which I did not expect. I assume this would be just a like a thing you grab and it's a one-time whatever, but it's actually like a usable item you can use over and over for ammo. And that's, I think that's a change too. I believe this was something you could get in the first game to freeze the screen, but I don't remember it being a weapon like this that you could implement at will, you know? And it's, yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Like it is, could you, you know, like I remember using it later in the game on one of those auto scroll segments and clutch. Awesome to have. To, to be able to lock the shit fucking with you while you're trying to work your way through a fucked up area uh, yeah. whenever some shit's about to happen to you, you know? So that's cool, but losing my weapon sucks. Like, the other yeah. weapon. Because, like, once you're out of, like, a hard sequence like that, you don't want that. You don't want this. You don't want this permanently ever. It's just, like, a, 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 a intermittent moment that it might be truly helpful. So Yeah, that's that's kind of how I felt. Like, I, I yeah. definitely had a couple moments where I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I got to go back and I'm going to get that to get through this specific part, but otherwise it's like, I, yeah, I didn't want that by default. Right. One, three starts out with a long stretch where you're being mobbed from both sides by mummies. I'm guessing those are anyways. And there's a wee bit of platform in here to complicate that danger. I got my first rosary in here, which like we said, kills everything on the screen. Smart bomb from gun smoke. Thinking back to like, the, it's, it's funny. Like I've, we this far into doing this podcast, I really start drawing. Like, there's like a root moment where we first encounter something like this. And that's what I think of item pickups as in every game thereafter. Like, every kill everything on the screen pickup will always be the smart bomb and gun smoke, which you, I don't, you, that was before you, before your pod time. So you probably never even played that game. But yeah, there's like a, which doesn't at all fit into the lore of that game. And maybe that's why I think of that one. Maybe there was one before that even. But because it's like a Wild West-themed game and you can get like this modern nuclear bomb <laughs> that kills everything on screen. Like that's just what I think of every one of these pickups like this. Kill everything on screen items as. Uh, I, I always have some old game that it draws back to in my mind. Uh, and yes, get your first battle axe here too. The main description for that is the battle axe flies through the air along an arc. This is a very powerful item. I concur. And this is definitely a throwback. It's Yeah, I think the boomerang is the same exact two from the first game. So yeah, they are really bringing back the exact same weapon set for Trevor, I think, that we got in the first game. And it is really just oscillating between what's most advantageous for what I'm trying to do here uh, between this and the boomerang and which weapon you want to have. Like, the this obviously flies at that height and dark, so mm. if you're... It's super helpful if you're doing a climb. You can yeah. kill things on the next level, you know? And that's, that's, that's clutch. 
Uh, the boomerang is a straightforward thing, uh, but it flies back and it does a shit ton of damage. So it just depends what you're trying to navigate. I think which one of those is, is better, but otherwise they're kind of an equal footing weapon. Downstairs from there, you can bang through some bricks. On the left, you find your first werewolf leg in the wall for a little life gauge pick-me-up. And heading right, you'll deal with some of the little monkey hunchback fuckers that hop around real fast and on their callback from the previous <laughs> games. These fucking things suck, you know? Things, yeah, yeah. You gotta catch before them encou- the right way before they get Exactly, you. yeah. Basically, at the beginning of their animation, you do if they get going, you're fucked, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> they're a very annoying enemy. And they're always paired with something, too, that you gotta deal with. I think maybe here they're not just as introduction to them so you can see their movement pattern and stuff. But generally speaking, they're always paired with some shit that's not optimal. Uh, They're baby stepping you right now to screw you later. Right, right, right. (laughs) And then you first encounter one of those snakehead statues that spit fireballs right and left. Like one way, they'll shoot, the top will shoot one way, the bottom will shoot another way. And these are almost always, I think maybe you get some two-shot ones here and there. But for the most part, they're three shots, these bursts of three shots that you gotta, you you can just stand there and whip to get through them, you know, and then inch up to it in between that burst is, is the way to deal with them. But they're usually also similar to, I just described the monkeys. They're usually an environmental addition to complicate some other thing that you're dealing with. And very frequently are things that would make me scream. Fuck. <laughs> uh, of course. Like, yes, totally understandable message. Right? <laughs> yeah. So one four is some more mummy onslaught shit plus bats before rolling into a graveyard arena that pits us against our first ultimate evil boss battle. And you can, yeah, you can, you come in here and you can tell there's something goofy on the ground in the very middle as you enter and walk past it. Not sure what it is though. And once you do pass it, that something animates into a large horned humanoid skeleton with a sword and shield. They call this the skull knight. He'll jump up onto the platforms and track with you, and if you get within range, he'll drop that sword right down onto your melon with an overhead chop attack. But with a third level whip, you can just spam him, and he'll drop right before you. And like I said, you always get, I didn't like I said, but they told you in the manual that you get all your life back. So if you, anyone that you can just spam, there's no incentive not to do that, because you're going to get all your life back, you know. So that is basically what you can do with him. I presume that's what you did. <laughs> I beat him with 52 knives still remaining because I was like, you know, hoarding stuff because I wasn't sure how how hard the boss was going to be, you know, what I'm going what I needed. So I was like, oh man, I could have been like using this more often. Just dumping so. on this. Yeah, I, I, you know, that's that's a good point too. Yeah, I much like I said about time ammunition, and that's always the caveat though of safe scumming. So you know, the I don't, I never ran into running out of ammunition for the most part, but. I would say it's coming. So I, maybe I did that. later. Like at this point, no problem. But right. I started because of this. I started using the weapons more during the stages to help get me through. Right. So in turn, would have those problems later. Okay, <laughs> unfortunately. When you do kill him, he bursts into flames uh, as the life bar runs out, and then a flashing red orb appears in the air and falls to the ground in front of the gravestone. And an interesting thing about this, I noticed the timer keeps going until you grab that puppy. So if you're tight on time in a stage, the potential exists to get fucked there. And that is fucking grimy, I think. (laughs) That's kind of grimy. Yeah. Yeah, like whatever. Yeah, what is the, like, think about that. That's a word. That's a talking thing. Like, or something worth talking about, I should say. The, like, what does the timer represent? Like, you know, there's an overall need to get to Dracula. 
So I guess that if, if you if you go with that logic, time's still ticking after that drops and you kill the boss makes sense. But there's also a, a flip side of that. I feel like like the incentive to hurry through something would go away once you took away that ultimate evil in the area. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah. I guess it depends on how you want to look at that. But I don't know. Uh, Maybe yeah. something like the orb is exposed for a certain amount of time. So, well, I, yeah, yeah, maybe I guess because you yeah, would have the, died before that. So, like, I don't know. Maybe if the orb is exposed after a certain amount of time, like it's it's going to naturally, I don't know, create some sort of due to the elements or, or, or you know, I don't know, some kind of something, right. You know, it becomes yeah. unstable. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and it never it never really does explain what your. I mean, it replenishes your life, obviously, but that's not. Like that's that's a behind the curtain mechanic theoretically for what's happening in the game story, you know. So yeah, what it doesn't explain what those like why you need to collect those. I get you know it's probably just thought of as just like it's an accumulation of power necessary to actually battle Dracula. I guess is yeah. probably the simplest explanation, and they feel like that's a given. <laughs> you this know, they don't the need power to you are consuming from right. you, you can't let it out in the wild. It, it must right. be transferred into something. Harnessed. Yeah, must be harnessed. There you go. I like that. When you do grab it, a celebratory stage clear tune plays. They then count off your remaining timer ticks and ammo hearts as bonus points. So there is a point incentive to accumulate hearts and still have life remaining, I guess. So that kind of, if you give a shit about points, which I certainly do not, I would say we collectively do not, uh, then perhaps my idea that just spamming things is not really valid. But Points are something I did not pay attention to. I was going to ask you about that before, like... The whole point total thing at the t- at the top of the HUD like yeah, did know. not even exist for me. Yeah, beating a dead horse. How little we care about that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I said, you know, I'm sure at the time it was because again, the arcades were still so close that it was a thing. Yeah, in the arcades. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cut to a map cinematic where the track "World Map Destiny" plays. An awesome sepia-toned weathered map of the castle and surrounding area fades in. That one we did that lengthy math problem with a little bit ago. Then a portion of it is zoomed in on and moves to the middle of the screen, and a jagged white line showing the path traversed already appears on the graveyard part of the map. Then a large blue pin appears depicting the spot on the path where Todd has reached at the end of that first route. And below that, what appears to be part of a route appears below the map, And your sprite walks out from the left and up to a stairwell, or stairwells, leading up and down. And the upper path appears to be part of the castle. And I think those are gears of some kind you can see through an archway. And Nintendo Power calls this the Clock Tower of Untimely Death. And it's, it's, looking at the map, I think the idea is that you're going down that... bridge that that bridge on the left to the castle there's the tower you got to go through there before or go through before that and that's the route i believe they're calling the shortest route in the game that you can you can go down so i did not take that but the lower path i went the lower path and lower path has forest vibes the forest of darkness 
and you can see some grave markings in the background of where you walk into from here. So it's symbolizing that you're in the graveyard or where you're standing there now. So, so yeah, this kind of correlates with where the pin drop is on the map. To the east is the bridge leading to the castle, and to the south is you're staying on the other side of the lake and heading south uh, into the forest. And yeah, I mentioned I went I went the forest route. Where where'd you go here? I also went the forest route. I did not think it was a good idea to try to waltz directly into the castle. Right. It seemed like yep. it's not, not a smart smart idea. So uh, Agreed. Yeah, I, I went the same way. Agreed. Yeah, that my, my logic was the shorter route is probably not the easier route. <laughs> yeah. Which I guess is like again what not what they say, uh, but it still see, is I, just from I wasn't looking at anything at this point. I'm like, I don't want to see, like, I don't want anything to influence me, like, which one sure. I should go. Sure, sure, sure. So, yeah, that was my complete and total logic at this point. I was just, you know, like, yeah, I was going, yeah, I was I was going the same logic. The couching to it is, in the Nintendo Power, it explained how there were, di- and I didn't know what they were. I, 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 you know, I wasn't, I was using, kind of like we do in the side quest, I was using the Nintendo Power as purely manual reference or description references for the levels and, and figuring out the root names and stuff. I wasn't using the maps or anything. Uh, but yeah, there's one of those charts in there explained how certain characters are inaccessible based on certain routes. Mm. And I didn't, that, that was, that was my big, biggest logic was I didn't want to wall myself off from any of the characters. And that was what I was most worried about. Even um, past the danger, I would say. So the force of darkness The southern route is route number three, and the Nintendo Power description for this reads, Deadly Owls reside in the Forest of Darkness. Whether you've entered by way of the Clock Tower or from Warakaya, you'll have to face them, but it is worth the effort to gain the chance of getting a new spirit helper. And this looks like another castle courtyard space when you first enter here. We have some of the falling spike slabs on chains that were in level six of Contra right at the beginning. That's what I thought of when I saw those. And their hitboxes are total bullshit, and they one-shot you. You die for even the slightest brush by one. These pissed me off a great deal. Uh, And if I wouldn't have been safe scumming, I probably would have been leaned on continues right here, actually. I don't know. What was your experience with those? Did you... I feel like they they clock your ass way too easy. Like, I I do not... Wait a minute. The the spikes that fall from the ceilings are, like, on chains. Oh. Yeah, I mean, they they weren't... They were annoying enough, but like I, I figured out like the cadence they become and kind of, kind of like when to anticipate them. Yeah, no, I mean it's not hard to do that. It's easy to do that if you're super patient about it. But you know, you're trying to fucking go, man. And like, I feel like, <laughs> yeah, they were hit. Like, I was trying to go, and they were hitting me. You know, you're you're going on the as they ascend, as they come back up, and like. I would be going, and they're, it's not hitting me. Like it's like I don't know. It was, it was, the hitbox on those was bullshit, in my opinion. I mean, they were they were definitely annoying because they would kind of like also pop up when you're trying to leave, go upstairs, leave a freaking level. It's like, like why are you still? Why are you there? Like I, I beat all of you, <laughs> and I'm going up the stairs now. I want to just like drop up right there. So that <laughs> that was yeah. super annoying. Yeah, it was yeah. They're, they're usually they're usually in groups too. Yeah, they're going to deal with a yeah. bunch of them. So I lost my axe weapon to some shitty, shitty holy water here and was reminded, yes, this is the first sentence of me having that happen, the Friday the 13th Syndrome, where the shit's getting taken from you and you don't want to. And you just have to be (laughs) so careful about whacking at candles and shit. Um, And that's, yeah, I I don't know, that's just a a dumb 
bit of friction that I don't think we needed here. And I, I, I don't know how you fix it, I guess. There should be, I don't know. What you could have done is have the weapons fall. Like They should have had a moment of invulnerability. That's the solution. They should have had a moment of invulnerability or like unpickup ability to them if they're a weapon. You know what I mean? Like, yes, have the hearts. Yeah, obviously, there's no reason to not want those uh, or any of the other pickups, the, the, the one-use items. But weapons should, should have fell to the ground. And even if you fall on top of them, there should be a moment of not getting it, you know, for you to discern what it is and then make that choice. Uh, You could even make it like once you, you have to get off it and then back onto it entirely. You know what I mean? Before you pick it up, I think wouldn't the solution there because yeah, it's fucking sucks and play on OG hardware. I don't know how many times I would have been fucking irate about getting downgraded weapon wise, you know, in a moment when you absolutely need the thing that you lost. (laughs) I I pretty much just played as like whatever weapon I'm going to get, this is what I'm going to get. So I was just kind of like, okay. I just kind of like went with it each time. Unless I like died and had to go back. And then I had to make that choice. Like, all right, I may jump over that one. You know, I may just pass that one by. I mean, early on, yes, I I rolled with it here. You get the boomerang a few beats later, thankfully. But generally speaking, I did not get far into this game. Just as a disclaimer, before I start saying, fuck this video game, I'm saving, and any bullshit you pull, I am fucking loading and fuck off. (laughs) Uh, I'm too old for fucking being this miserable for this long. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, I got the Banshee Boomerang, and the description for that is, it flies straight through the air with the greatest of ease. When it reaches the end of its path, it will come flying back. Though it moves slowly, the Banshee Boomerang is very powerful. And then in a parenthetical, it puts... Banshee fever, catch it. So continuing to have Banshee fun there. Banshee fever, right. yeah. And it is a very clutch acquisition. Acquisition indeed. Once you reach the top of a climb, you pass through a gauntlet of owls popping out of the trees, and they are a biatch to get the timing down on. So just being able to whip that fucking thing out there and catch them coming or going is critical to getting through that, uh, in my opinion. It's, yeah, interesting like. that, it's interesting that we're in world three now. Like we went from one to one to three. We just skip over it, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but that's the whole game is that way, uh, for the most part. And it, yeah, it gets. I don't know. They didn't it's even confusing. But, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> they they like, add letters and shit at one point. It gets fucking really yeah. like, uh, what are goofy. We about? So yeah, with those the the owls, like you're going in, they like their eyes appear. Just their eyes appear to tip off that they're coming. And there's like this weird, not, not weird, but there's like this beat There's a beat, yeah. before they actually emerge. And it's, yeah, timing that out was I really tricked, really tricky, in, in my opinion. I had a lot of trouble oh. getting through there. I actually got used to them where I would just kind of like do a jump beat and I was just kind of getting them like before they even had a chance to, to get at I could I could not get a timing down for it. Especially when you get to where you get more than one on the screen, you know, or like... Yeah, if you're moving, that, you, the you axe could, definitely helped in that situation. Axe time, axe. Time. Okay, yeah. I, I had the boomerang. I didn't have the axe, so that would have been maybe that was the problem. Moving through the door after them gets into three two, and you go up onto another cliff top with some slick lightning storm effects going on in the sky. Looks very, very good. And those little monkeys and snakehead statues try to slow you down on here, but it's rather cake. And the door to another branching map path is just below that. So, yeah, so you're not even, in this case, you're not even finishing a level, per se. You are in the middle of Route 3, and the upper path goes to 3-3, so you stay in 3. 
And the lower path jump cuts to 4-1, which is the Dyer, Mar- Dyer Meyer Marsh. And the upper path looks like it maybe had some Sifa shit going on with it. I thought I could see her in there. You know, it looked like maybe that's what that white thing was. Mm. So I was like, okay, I want, yes, I want a companion. Let's do that. So I went up here. Oh. And that is where I got into her track. That kind of, honestly, once you go into her track, I don't even think... I was offered another person. Maybe Alucard? Yeah, I don't think I had another. I think, yeah, once you get into the Sifa track, you might be in the Sifa track. Interesting. Uh, I've. Take it, you did not go that route. I was confused as to the fact that there was another decision to make already. And I was like, that was kind of quick and easy. Like, another decision? Like, I guess down again? Like, that was okay. kind of my note. Like, down again, I guess. <laughs> okay, yeah. No, no idea. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I also four. Okay. Copy that. So now we're on divergent paths here, so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know how to. Okay, so. Um, <laughs> I wonder if we're ever going to. We'll eventually get back on the same track, I guess. Obviously, once we get into the castle, but. Yeah, 3-3 sends you into this floating jellyfish area. They explode into four little mini jellies when you kill them. What? And, uh, yeah, these are a huge pain in the ass. They're reminiscent of, like, uh, the fucking bloopers in Mario 3. You oh. know, with, the thing, with the thing circling them. You know, just a fucking huge yeah. pain in the ass. Yeah, like, get them all in one clump and get them in that one shot. If you let them kind of disperse, they get to be a huge problem. And then 3-4 has a number of spiders that can drop down from above and pop off flying mini spiders upstairs before heading down to the level below for a boss battle with the Cyclops. So, I guess I'll, I'll just finish that and you can talk about four. That's probably the best way to do this. Uh, so this cat, the Cyclops, has a huge hammer. Uh, I'm guessing he'll try to split your dome piece with, but I never saw it in action, so I couldn't tell you for sure. Uh, it wasn't hard to come up with a cheese tactic for this boss battle. There's like, you go into this arena and there's these two blocks to the left and right that you could that put you just above his hitbox. Even when he's passing directly below you, you could walk through the blocks, but he still passed below you. So you could just wait for him to walk out to the middle of the screen, then inch forward and drop down to another layer of blocks off the ground, but a little bit lower, and then hit him as he's walking back, and then jump back up on top of the, the ones that are a little bit higher as he actually gets to you, you know? So I was able to just completely disperse with this fucker without any threat whatsoever. And he dies, same flame animation, and then Sifa animates from a statue in the background, floats down to ground level, then she and Todd run to opposite edges of the battle arena in an oddly well-choreographed dance before getting into a bit of conversation. And she says, or he says in this case uh, still, thanks for helping me, I'm Sifa, the vampire hunter, I will follow you if you need my help, and then you get a prompt, what will you do? And it says, will you take him with you or leave him behind? And selecting take reads, I hope a magic spirit will give us the power. And then the two of them then meet in the middle, shake hands. Pretty funny little animation. I enjoyed a great deal, actually. And then they head off screen right. And the Nintendo Power description for Sifa reads, Long thought dead by the people. Sifa was actually captured by the Cyclops and then turned into a statue. We already know that. That was in the manual lore. And then back to the map screen, they go together. And a ship appears in the water surrounding Drax Castle, just off the shore where Sifa was. And we are now doing some seafaring. So I got to basically hop in a ship and sail to the other tower that kind of, uh, it's like, a, it's isolated as an island out in the middle of the lake. 
It doesn't appear that there's a route to it from the land. Wait a minute. And so what stage is this for you? Again? So this is this is 3-3 three, three and 3-4, three, basically. 3-3 three, three and 3-4. Three, so after 3-4, that's what the option. And again, it's not an option. You just do it. You know what I mean? There's no choice to be made. Right. Uh, so that's what happened when I went up there. What did 4 feel like? So 4... <laughs> It, it was tough. Like, I, I I immediately was thinking, okay, this feels like it's the hard path. Like, I <laughs> I, I took a, a quick look at a walkthrough to kind of confirm. So, like, I, I at this point, went to, back to look at that Nintendo, Nintendo Power, uh, what was it, Nintendo Power 18, to try to see, like, right. am I on that, like, apprentice path? Am I on the, <laughs> right, path? Right, right, on the master's yeah. path? But interestingly enough, like, the only one that mentions four is the apprentice path so i'm like i don't understand but i'm on stage four right now so here we go either way it was freaking hard okay um, but you know i i if it, it was hard to me it felt like it was kind of long and i guess because coming from stage three i didn't really fight a boss you know i kind of just cut and now i'm on four it just kind of felt like I, I should be fighting a boss soon so then four three i get to the end and like there's a, a giant bat and this bat ball okay. starts kind of like we see it later it starts splitting um just splitting and i beat it on the first try though so not not really too bad like i was down to three health so it did did some damage to me but i did beat it on the first try um i had hella weapons so i definitely did not need the 78 additional uh boomerangs that i had at that Ours, point okay. um but yeah i did that pretty and much so is that alucard no, not at all. This no. is just me, Trevor. That's why I'm. That's why I was like, "Wait, what stage did you get, Sif on?" Because I'm at this point, I've beaten stage four, going on to stage five, and my first thought was, "So when, when the I hell am I getting a companion?" Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that was you know that was uh, like I said, my whole incentive was yes, get me a companion stat. Uh, so, so that's how I ended up there. Okay, so and then from four, you go to where? So from four, you go to five. So I'm on stage five one next. And that is what? I guess we gotta look at the fucking Nintendo Power. I'm in the dire well, Route Dire Meyer Marsh. Well Root yeah, that that's no, that's four one though. Oh. So yeah, it's it's yeah, the, the roots in here do not match up with the numbers. Oh yeah. Route six <laughs> is, is five. That's what I mean. It's a fucking nightmare. It's the lost son of Dracula. So now we're this is getting yeah. to Alucard, I presume. Yep, that's it. Uh, so yeah, the voyage into the underworld continues with the dire mire far behind. Although the caves of Route 6 look more civilized and man-made, they are the home of many horrors, including Dracula's lost son, Alucard. So they, and there's six parts to this, so that's long as fuck. <laughs> it, was, it was freaking long, man. Um, I, After a long battle with the vampire, I got Alucard. So it was, okay. I, was, I was pretty excited that that... What were his that. mechanics, the, the boss battle? Um, so he, if I remember correctly, he had two phases. Um, when you're fighting Alucard, he, there's a big casket. So like you walk in, it's like clearly in the bottom of some church, there's like a big cross in the background and like there's an open casket. And then out of the casket, there's like five, a, a bunch of, a swarm of bats come flying around. And oh, cool. they form into him. 
and then he shoots at shoots like three blasts at you, and then it just kind of repeats him, kind of like flying across the screen, as in his bat form, then reforming and shooting at you. So okay. he's not particularly hard, but like once you get him, I was like, all right, finally, finally, I got a freaking companion. But then yeah, it sounds, like a, the, sounds like a the, cool show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is though, this is stage five five, and I re- I remember when going through my notes. There's still five, six, and five, seven. So I'm still on stage five after this. So it's like a weird imbalance. Oh, no like I'm, I'm, there, I'm, there's so much level. I feel like that I'm going. <laughs> so much level. Yeah. <laughs> so much game. Uh, okay. So okay. So then, what is there? Another boss at the end of five? Um, at the end of five, let me see. There was a freaking. Yeah, yeah. So there was definitely a freaking skull knight. And okay. I was well, that same one from the first level. I mean, maybe it's the same one. It definitely is not easy. It was not easy. I, I would say it's not okay. the same at all. Like it was like a new one. It was harder to freaking beat this time. Okay. And What's, what? I, I had that freaking focus. That. I don't know why. Yeah, it doesn't even talk about another boss. Fucking savages. <laughs> okay. Crazy. Yeah. This game is fucking nuts with the fucking branching paths and shit. Okay, so. Getting back to my journey, I guess, then. So after I got Sifa and we sailed out into the, the lake there, you play a level actually on the ship itself. It's called the Haunted Ship of Fools. What? It's described as, yes, the ghost ship is a daunting obstacle full of creaky rigging, rotting planks, and a scurvy crew of undead sailors. However, if you make it to the ship, you're well on your way to Drax Castle. Once conquered, the ship will take you across the lake. The route number display now read 4... Slash zero A, and that's fucking odd to say the least. Uh, and yes, we are on a pirate ship. So Sifa is now visible on the right side of the HUD. So I immediately look, let's check this shit out. Hit select, check that, and you get a, a pretty cool animation. I like the transition animation. It's like this kind of, uh, I think it's properly representative of morphing into another vampire hunter spirit. <laughs> and the counter stops until it's over. So that's a nice little nuance. You can seemingly do this as much as you want back and forth between the two of them, and there's no penalty at all uh, to doing so. Everything freezes while it happens to enemy-wise. Yeah. And doesn't cost any hearts, which I thought might be the case as well. So when you go back to Trevor, I was pleased that this was the case. When you go back to Trevor, the weapon, whip power, everything that was going on with him prior to the change is the same too. So again, there's just no penalty whatsoever to, uh, to, to change him back and forth, which was nice. So her main weapon, Sifa's, is the Warakaya Staff. And the description of this is, Sifa uses his Warakaya Staff to attack enemies. The power of the staff can never be increased. So there's no levels to this as there is with the whip. Mm. And the attack range on this is a severe downgrade from the whip. So... Really? Yeah, I, you know... It's interesting how much I was incentivized and when I was when I chose to implement the change, you know, because there's no advantage to her mobility wise. Um, you know, the jump is the same shitty jump. You just don't have the attack range. So normally there's really not a lot of reason to navigate levels as Sifa, in my opinion, mm-hmm. the big battles, boss battles, there's a you can get a huge upgrade with particularly with the lightning spell that we'll get into later. Uh, but she's got three war items. They're all spells. There's a 
a fire, a freeze, and a lightning. And the lightning, it's like three orbs. It's not, I don't really, it's not, I don't know. Did not, I feel like they should have called it something else. Uh, lightning didn't seem right to me as a way to, to describe that spell, what it did. But it was very devastating either way. Uh, so yeah, so you immediately get the flame. And it's like, there. there's a cool chart in Tend the Power showing this too. But each of the weapons that Trevor picks up correspond to things that the other characters get as pickups too. So, and this is reliable. So if you, it's not helpful if you're not safe scumming, <laughs> but if you are safe scumming, if you hit something and it's a certain weapon of, if you hit a candle and it's a certain weapon of Trevor's, if you were to hit that same candle as Sifa or Grant, this is less applicable to Alucard because he doesn't have any weapons. But every time you hit that candle as Sifa, it's going to be the one that corresponds to that weapon. So basically, if I hit a if I hit a fucking thing and it turns into a boomerang, mm-hmm. I know that it'll be a lightning spell if I hit it with Sifa. So if I want the lightning spell for Sifa and I don't have it for her yet, I and I see a boomerang. And I don't need the boomerang for Trevor, because I already have either the weapon I want or the boomerang, same thing I guess, can load and come back to that spot as Sifa, and I'm going to get the lightning spell for sure, you know. So that is an interesting strategy for safe scummers uh, about going through the upgrade tree for for the ancillary characters, I thought. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I got the flames immediately with this, and the flames are, they're described as, are very powerful as they annihilate everything in their path, and it's a burst of flames that... They go about, I'd say, about a quarter of the screen's worth of of reach straight ahead from the uh, top half of her sprite. Like, it's like a column of fire that's about half of the sprite that goes straight forward Mm -hmm. for a quarter of screen. So, uh, good. And it's probably, you know, honestly, what it does is it probably gives her the range of the whip is is a good way to describe it. It's it's essentially a whip attack. Uh, Maybe it's more powerful. I don't know the math of that. But just as far as, like, actual reach and the way it employs, uh, it's very similar to a whip attack. So, that's kind of getting acquainted with with her. But, yeah, I almost immediately switched back to Trevor because I was just like, I don't, my common attack, unless I just want to cook through ammunition, my common attack sucks with her. So, you know, there's not a lot of reason to be here. And that's kind of a bummer, you know, that you you want to just play as Trevor for so much of it. But later on, I would feel much better about it because some of the boss battles, just I don't even know how I would have done them without her. So funny, we will get... you should say that. I yeah. kind of had a similar experience with Alucard. So I got him, and I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I changed to him immediately. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna check it out. And I realized, like, yeah, they they jump the same. Like they're and obviously at this point, I did not have the actual manual, so I didn't even see that I could change into a bat. Didn't know that. So I'm just like jumping the what same. is the mechanic what or what is the control input for changing is it just up and b or it's like down and b or something it's like oh, the okay. opposite of like using the weapon ah uh, okay so good on that, them like, for getting a solution so i was like i was like trying stuff like to see what what would happen you never just accidentally changed into a bat it never never happened no, from the, didn't even really happen. i think wow. later okay. later i may have accidentally done it and then i was just like whoa what, what like, and that and that at that point I was like I need to look this up like what's going on yeah. and I think I shortly thereafter found the the manual and all that kind of stuff but, <laughs> yeah I but at this point I didn't know that 
I was just jumping around with the same jumping ability as Trevor. And yeah, at, at first, like his little blast, his ball of destruction is just like a short little, little blast. And I'm like, this is, this offers me no advantage. So like, <laughs> I, I swap back and ended up playing with Trevor most of the time. But then later, once I realized that I, and I kind of did a similar test where I was like, all right, if what weapon will this be? What, what weapon does Trevor have? And even if I had, even if Trevor, Trevor could be on any weapon. But if I was on my minimal, my beginning ball of destruction level with Alucard, what would normally be a heart? Would oh, his still his, be a his attack scales up. You can get yeah, power ups to it. It okay. would scale up. So like instead of just that short blast in front of you, it would be a longer blast in three directions that goes like half the screen. So like that became a lot more useful later on in boss battles. Yeah, that's the lightning. It's a little better in the sense that the it's it's kind of a it's got a homing deal going on like oh, yeah. once they yeah they like well do, do his home is the thing you're describing does it home like does it oh no 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 it's straight just straight path like, yeah just like straight in okay. like 45 degrees and straight up forward yeah hers is a homing deal so even if it like misses oh, on the first pass man. it'll start yeah dude i don't even know i can't even tell you how fucking clutch it was for some of those later battles Okay, well, on the ship here, uh, down below deck, you encounter some skeleton swordsmen, and it was my first time getting fucked by going upstairs when I actually wanted to fire off my war item, so that's where, where this started in level four, I guess, for me. And, it, yeah, it, it feels really, really bad when it happens, and I just, I don't know if there's another thing in any of these old games where I felt more justified in safe coming. You know what I mean? Like it's just such bullshit when it when it like it can just it's amazing how bad it can fuck you. <laughs> there were you so know? many times I would just fall down trying to just and I'm yep. like, are you freaking kidding me? Like I just went off the edge. Like this is Right. Well that yeah, well that what well, yeah, I was that is my next uh. note literally, dude, that you can like <laughs> you can just walk off. The ones that like go and there's like they're over a pit, I guess technically is what that equates to. You can just yeah walk off the I was edge like, and I if you was don't to go down right and you just walk off and fucking die and it's like you know like I you can get there I think in in game justification in the idea that you know these are gonna be shitty staircases built by slave laborers <laughs> <laughs> you know that are not uh, they're not, oh, they're not yeah. necessarily adhering to building codes or anything and I can get. <laughs> That, you know, that that would make them difficult to diverse and there is some chance of just plummeting to your death. But it, do, it does not feel good, you know, no. <laughs> and it's very, very frustrating. So through a wooden door took me to 4-0B. So again, we're going through letter, letters here. And in here, there are floor tiles that will fall away. So you get your first fucking floor bullshit. So they're like, they kind of have like a cracking animation to them and eventually they'll fall away entirely oh, if you yeah, stay on them too long. Kind of yeah. So those suck and they'll be used in many cases to complicate environmental situations a, a great deal. There's a little bit of a climb up to the door to 40C where you're pitted against some hardcore platforming activities as well. They're, they're vertically moving and they go in one direction before clipping off the screen and coming out the other side. So you get these, they're just like, they scroll all the way through the screen and then come back out the top, you know? Uh, and, and they time them differently. So you got to like, sometimes you're, you want to get on all it's low to get to the next one that's further ahead. It's just like, it, it, it's again, kind of, it's the kind of thing that 
without saves coming, you're just di- you're dying a couple times there. You just are, you know. Yeah. Uh, and there's so much of that in this game that I just so can't imagine. Much of that, man. Yeah, I don't know how anyone ever beat it on, on OG hardware. I just can't even imagine the amount of muscle memory you need to develop to make it through this game uh, without saving. Yeah, it's just crazy. You're, you're on you're on stage four right now. I'm on stage six right now. And my first note is I'm definitely on the master's route. Like, <laughs> like, I, like stages six one and stages six two are so tough with no save states. I'd be hella frustrated. Like yeah. I, I don't even. I don't Did you know. fact check it? Were you? Are you? I, I think so because I'm on. But okay. I feel like I'm. I've done. Like all, we we got the Nintendo look, power. Looking let's, at the Nintendo power. Yeah. Let's take a gander here. Where's that? Where's that root tree at? I just had it open a second ago. So they what they say is that Masters is take routes one, two, or three, five, six, ten. I'm on six, so I said, okay, I'm definitely on Masters route at this point because Masters is the only one that has stage six in it. Even though I've I because I, I went one, two, or not one, two, like one, three, four, five, and now I'm in six, and six is like freaking tough. I can't even make sense, heads or tails, of what it's saying there. Take routes 1-2 or 3-4-7-8. Or 3-5-6-10. It's 1-2 is in all three of them. Why does it say or? It should say and, right? That's an error. It should say 1-2-and. Well, I, ne- yeah, I never even took... I never went to stage 2, though. I went from 1-3. to three, So I don't know what they're even... This doesn't make sense. Yeah, well, 2 is the clock tower. And that goes... Where does that go? You two root 2-1 through 2-6... And yeah, I don't even know. It doesn't really tell you. And I you went three, next. four, five, six. So like my uh, my route is technically not even listed there. <laughs> I just right. So I went to masters. If you add, well, no, no. Remember, it's not stage four. It's route five. Oh, the freaking! Four. I keep thinking that. Yeah, I, root, I did that route four time. is the ship. So I went I three, see, four, see. seven, eight. That's probably the route I. Yeah, so I, I went the apprentice route. So I went the easiest route, and I still wanted to kill myself. Uh, that's interesting okay well all right so the boss battle in four in the ship is well you get a mini boss battle at going into what at the end of c going into d you get a mini boss battle against a medusa type deal it's pretty cool animation you get like you walk up to the you see the door and you think you're headed out and then all and there there's these snakes running around on the ground and the snakes all like climb on top of each other and congeal into a Medusa figure and she kind of like builds up out of that and she shoots arrows with these energy rings that can briefly turn you to stone where you're definitely gonna catch an arrow before reanimating so you want to avoid that of course and this was a situation where I just boomerang the shit out of her mm. um, and even in that case uh, it took two thirds of my life meter off and that sucks because it's a mini boss battle it's not an actual boss battle you don't get your life back (laughs) so that's a tough part of the mini boss idea in this case they did mercifully put a werewolf leg in the in the upstairs wall right after you pass into 4d so if you're fence testing the walls for for wall meat you at least get a little reprieve there it's it's funny that you're using the official 
uh, manual verbiage of werewolf leg. Since I didn't have did not have the right manual, I called it turkey leg the whole time. <laughs> yeah, it's werewolf. the whole time. Werewolf. Like I need yeah. a wall wall turkey turkey leg. <laughs> So the final boss area is in E, so the fifth leg of level four here, and it's a little bit of some shit to get there. They got these goddamn birds combined with platforming, uh, those fucking ravens. You have, like, just, there's, you have no shot to tactfully battle with them because of how constrained the space is. See, it's one of those situations where you're just running and you need to time your running, especially the parts with the stairs, in a way that's going to avoid their flight path, and it's... Oh, just brutally frustrating because it doesn't feel like there's a, a get good solution. You know what I mean? And and that doesn't feel good to me. Uh, it is just muscle memory and knowing knowing what they're going to do. And that's yeah. crazy. <laughs> that's crazy that there's it. There's and I, I'm sure you know whatever that that is though. It's just muscle memory. I was going to say I'm sure there's some way of getting. I, I guess if you you know, really internalize their flight patterns and you got a real good feel for what, what they could be. Just looking at them would tell you what your options are and you could get good at that in a way that's not just memorizing what exactly what they're going to do. But, ah, man, just tough, 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 tough. The boss battle arena itself in this case is one of the cooler ones, I would say. It's a couple of sarcophagi straddling a stone bowl or altar or something in the middle and there's an ethereal spirit face immersed in a blue flame floating above the the bowl and you walk into the arena the flame flies up in the air and floats around until it comes to a stop above the left sarcophagus and flying down into it busting the door off and releasing a couple of mummies so you got that's like a multi-stage deal you have to you fight a couple two mummies and they fire off mummy wrap things and you can boomerang again for these thankfully you do still have to worry about the like they'll, they'll fire them low they, they, they'll do high and low flight patterns, so you got to kind of accommodate for that. But generally speaking, you can kind of just spam these fuckers. Switching, I, I would, like, fail this battle a few times with Trevor, and then, like, remember that I had Sifa, and, like, oh, I should try her fucking flames. I mean, mummies in particular, see what happens. Yeah. And they she definitely vapes the shit out of them, which makes infinite sense. So it was cool to me nice. that, you know, that, like, the physics made sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? That like she could vape them easily, more easily uh, made a lot of sense. So I was glad that was the case. But either, however you kill them, they die. The, the flame reappears and then pops open to the right or pops over to the right coffin and, and, and bangs that open. And then another Cyclops comes out the same, same exact thing from the Sifa battle. And he's got the manual or the, the mallet deal and he's, infinitely more difficult to deal with when you don't have a total cheese spot to whittle away whittle them away from so this was much harder and sifa is totally useless against him too the flame thing was not uh he seemed impervious to all secondary weapons so you had to either use her shitty little stick with its no reach or get back to trevor and use the uh with the whip it is kind of cool i thought that there would even be an incentive to mid-battle switch between the two that was kind of cool it made it feel more team oriented you know so i did like that actually but obviously feeling that out is a little little frustrating oh yeah the only thing i could really come up with was just kneeling on the right platform and just spamming his head with the whip and then taking the lumps that came with that like a man you know (laughs) once i got back to using trevor so that was definitely a strategy for some of these bosses (laughs) yeah the Cyclops does the usual burst into the flames deal once you empty his meter. And they try to get one last fuck you in here, too. When he dies, he bursts into, uh, or he goes back to the blue flame, and then the blue flame bursts into, like, this uh, 
fucking eight direction explosion that I'm guess I didn't it didn't hit me, but it sure looks like it can hit you and kill you. Uh, harking back to that fucking Super Mario Brothers three being able to die thing, jumping in the pit basically, beat the boss and then still die. <laughs> uh, would just be especially in this game. Jesus Christ! Oh my God! Can you even imagine? Wow. so beat that back to the map the pirate ship animates and sails towards the tower to the right of the castle and uh, again no decision be made here Todd and Sefa just trucked right along below the map and into the next route so yeah I don't think I had another decision tree situation the rest of the game uh, which kind of surprised me I thought that would be a more for all routes that it would be a more prominent part of the game you know uh, so that took me into the Tower of Terror, Cursed Castle Tower of Terror. So I'm actually entering the castle, kind of. So you're down below the castle in a cave, right? That's what's going on in 6 there, where you get Alucard. Where did you move to from there? So that was pretty miserable. And then after that, you know, I moved on to from Stage 6 to Stage 7. So in Stage 6, there was like a Frank, Frankenstein's monster. He was pretty easy to beat. Took me like two tries. Not, not a problem. He just stomping stuff falling from the ceiling. Okay, yeah, I got Frankenstein next too, so maybe we're on the same route then. So route, what is that? Uh, Cursal Causeway, Causeway of Chaos. Route 7 took us through Frankenstein's monster. Right, okay, so yeah, that's what I'm on too. Okay, so then we're on the same place here. Okay, great. So let's talk about that. So this is described in the man- in Nintendo Power as you've got you found the shortcut to Dracula's castle if you made it here but don't pat yourself on the back too hard there's plenty of challenges still ahead so I guess the idea is there then that you kept going east through that marsh and then kind of wrapped around that so you actually kind of like passed through the edge of the, the the southern edge of the lake there is kind of what the marsh would be probably and then went into a um, cave below the lake to get to entering the same area where the ship drops you off basically i think i think but that's the that's, way to make sense of that but we're not on the same path though that's that's interesting because this is no but i think we're, re- we're rejoining no but i'm saying this is 6a through 6d i didn't do that like i did not fight the dragon duo at the river of death i did not do that at all i went, later I went, on i went i went okay, from, well, i went from 6-1 and 6-2 to, to stage seven i did not do this but so you no fought route, Frankenstein. No route you fought Frankenstein, right? I did fr- fight Frankenstein, but then I went to to stage seven, which is stage. Got to be careful with the fucking. Got to be real careful with the terminology. I know, I'm looking. Here, I'm trying to see like root, where, root, where or is. root or stage. <laughs> stage mainly stage. I went from stage one six one to six two to stage seven. Six one. So you went all the I way to six, route 10 stage then, you're six saying. One and six, is, and maybe so. I don't see. You got the Nintendo Power open, right? Yeah, I'm looking at that. Okay. Yeah, 6-1 is route 10. The sunken right, temple of Sarnath. Thing. Which, yeah, I never saw this at all. Yeah, the Bone Dragon King. I did not fight him. It feels like I did... You did a bunch of stuff that I didn't do at all, but then now I'm doing all this stuff that's new. <laughs> right. Okay, so I guess... So I'll talk about... Yeah, so the so I went... Very interesting. Yeah, yeah so we'll, I guess we'll get to your... So your next... You're saying you went from Alucard straight 
to six one, right? That's what you're saying. Uh yeah, I got Alucard in stage five, and then right went directly to stage six after that. Okay, so that's a so I was like doing okay, stage root, six root one, ten. stage six okay. two. So yeah, so I yeah I had roots. What I I I went from the ship. Skipped over routes five and six, basically straight to seven. Curse of uh, the Tower of Terror, and then route eight, and uh, so route nine. Okay, so you yeah, block five seven. You're right. Jeez, crazy. It even splits that up in here. That's crazy. So yeah, it was the Skull Knight King <laughs> this time that you fought at the end of seven. That's route nine. So you did route nine. You already talked about route nine. So that makes total sense to go to route ten at least. So at least that kind of makes that make a little more fucking sense so yeah so i'm in route seven block five zero a through five zero c and it's 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 basically <laughs> the the that right tower that i'm dealing with here so gotcha yes this is described as you found the shortcut to dracula's castle if you made it here but don't pat yourself on the back too hard there's plenty of challenge still ahead uh, and you know, shortcuts are hot, so I was excited about that. So, yeah, I, I guess Todd had technically infiltrated Drax Castle at this point, but I really think that's a technicality. The main castle is Cursed Castle in my book. These towers out in the bay are merely defensive fortifications for said castle. Yeah. I think that's uh, a delineation that. That, that they're not making here that should be. But the climb through 50A had its challenges. There's a long stair climb, and there are gargoyles with the sine wave flight pattern. And did you fucking have to deal with these at all? Yeah, they're later on. The, those those full yellow gargoyle, gargoyles that fly with the sine wave deal. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, I, fuck I, those I, things, right? Oh my God. I, fuck those things. The axes worked well on them. Like, I could, I could axe them. And like I would, I, I finally got their timing down later to where like I could I could handle them if I. But you're on stairs, man. Position. Are you talking about? Because they're always on well, yeah. stairs that they're presenting. I yeah, think. they're definitely on oh, stairs. Dude. I'm talking. Anytime about Anytime I had to like use a, a weapon on stairs, I got so upset, dude. I got so upset by that. It's so shitty because you can. It's so I, shitty because then you're you're climbing further than you want to climb. You know, and and it's always these. They pair these with like the fucking snake tower thing or the serpent fireball things so you're, it's yeah. very important where you are on the stairwell and timing that out so the idea that you have to fire and hit up to fire the weapon and take yourself off where you want to be on the stairs to use them sucks it just sucks so bad dude it sucks so fucking bad oh my god yeah this is this is really where i can there were parts where i i considered quitting i considered not beating this game on a lot of these parts here uh, where you're dealing with the stairwells and these gargoyles. Uh, so fucking just brutal, brutal, yeah. brutal shit. There, there are definitely parts where I learned I had to climb all the way to the top of like said platform to avoid them. Like that positioning was better. I could either go over, like it would go under me completely or I would be able to easily hit it with my weapon versus like stopping where I was stopping before. Obviously that was not every time. Sometimes you just had to hit it as you were on this freaking stairs. But yeah. Or was, or you just had to just take a bunch of lumps. There's no way to avoid is what I was doing. Uh in uh, those cases. I mean you could you could work it out. I feel like eventually. You like depending on depending on the uh, weapon you had, you could work it out. <laughs> I I yeah I I the I use that axe less. The boomerang was definitely much more my my go to because that that more 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 calculable flight pattern. Even though, yes, you couldn't, you know, I understand the advantages of being able to shoot up. 
I mean, the axe is good too. I mean, the axe is definitely good too. Or not, I keep saying the axe. The cross is definitely good too because I mean, you have that yeah. direct flight pattern. So it's right. I, but I'd then you have to be just, on the. Yeah, it's the there's there's definitely give and take with both of them. As no long question. as you're not on like the edge of like going from off the step to on the step, like if you're in that right. in that area, then you're kind of screwed. You need to be firmly right. on the steps or like firmly on the ground, not like in the area where you could be going up or down. Right. Which is there's a lot of stairwells in the game. The second area of this has some new mechanics, one of which really catches you by surprise. The first, right when you walk through the door, is some new enemies that remind me of the electrode things that orbit the surface of platforms in Mario 2. They, like, yeah. circle the surface area of the platform, top and bottom. You got to kind of time out uh, jumping between them. And the second is an incremental vertical auto-scroll that kicks in once you get into the stairwell and platforming climb populated by plotting knights that take a couple of whip cracks to kill. So, yes, the first auto-scroll situation. And... Uh, it's not. It's funny too because it's not. It's not like a smooth scroll. It's these incremental. Oh, it's choppy. Yeah. Right. Which is weird. You know, I, I kind of applaud them for the uniqueness of it. But when it first happened, I didn't even understand. Like I was like, I thought, I thought I was doing it. You know, I thought something I was doing wasn't that it wasn't just a time thing. You know. So yeah, it really hit me off guard when it first happened, and it does this like screen shake thing and rumbling that is a real what the fuck too. So yeah, this it was very. Uh, which it's to the game's credit that you just like have anything happen where you're just like, what the fuck? Hold on. <laughs> you know, uh, which, uh, but not easy. A little complicating for sure. The top two floors of this area almost made me break my fucking laptop. It's more of those sine wave gargoyles. And yes, this is where you really have the stair shit going on. And it's just, yeah, it, it's where I really. It was cemented to me that this was still broke. <laughs> Basically, like, you know, I had that uh, the, when I first noticed those new mechanics, I was like, oh, okay. So they worked on this and they, you know, like I said, I'll take this out of the two situations. It's the better of two evils. Uh, it's a, it's an overall net positive. But here, it's not even a matter of the uh, getting on to them. That's the problem. It's the being stuck to them. Yeah. That you don't, you lose so much mobility and you're, it's, it's lack of responsiveness to even turning, like if you want to whip attack behind you, it's like a slow turn, you know, it's like, it's just so limiting to your mobility and there's so much of the environmental hazards that try to capitalize on that. It just feels, yes, and it feels like shit, man. It feels like you're being cheated and it just, it. I yeah it oh man this really really off put me. Uh, there are a lot yeah. of uh, yeah, scums even, on that part. Yeah yeah for sure yeah I don't even want, I don't want to talk about that anymore. The my, uh, my my I got my timer down to like one this is one of the first times that the timer was an issue to me. It got down to like one fifty ish when I got into here and I was like you know it's I'm safe scumming so it's one of those situations where I had, like had safe scum myself to a point I was like oh shit I might have just fucked myself here. Am I going to be able to get to the end because it's 150 timer t- ticks is not. A lot of time, <laughs> you know, and I was just going into a new area. So I'm like, and, and the, the, so much of this was so fucked that I was like, what kind of crazy environmental shit are they going to give me? And how close to fucked am I? So that was a little bit of nerve wracking thing going on. And yeah, this area is, yeah, it's just another long climb of huge staircases with those serpent head statues at the screen edges. And they require an eternity of dealing with their dog shit stair mechanic stuff. Cause yeah, you like, you need, they'll, they'll like stack two of them in a row and you need to, Time, you need to just sit there and wait. And like knowing that my timer was an issue already, 
and and seeing that was like, oh my god, it's just Super dog shit. shit. Yeah, dog <laughs> shit, dog shit, dog shit feeling. And yeah, I had, I had a really uh, difficult time through here. Uh, it is, yeah, they are like you know you can time them out, but most of it is just scummy, safe scumming to get me through this. And they uh, turn the dagger at the top of it. You get near unavoidable crows in the next area at the top of the climb. And oh, yeah, I mean, I know this part is where I was certain that. As a confused and frustrated nine-year-old, I'd have wrecked my NES console when I got to this. Like after going through that whole stairwell shit, and as frustrated as I was, yeah. if I'd have went up there and saw those crows, I'd have just, I'd have just been, I started, I'd have started beating on my console. I'd have fucking jerked that fucker out of the wall and took it out in the backyard with a baseball bat. I'd have been like irate about that, about the just the the flow chart of this, and the the you know this the unrelenting unforgiving nature of stacking those two moments together at this part of the game. It's not even we're like halfway through maybe uh, if that, you know, so like just, yeah, I don't know. Just a really, really brutal development choice. I feel on their behalf of stacking the things that feel most unfair in this video game. You know, I wonder, I, I wonder like how, because I, I kind of felt like stage five, seven, which comes next for me. Which was ridiculously hard to me. Like, I'm wondering how I would have felt, because I'm definitely safe scumming at this point. Like, I didn't even attempt to use any game genie codes because, A, when I opened it up, there was so many to choose from. And I was like, <laughs> like, what yeah. is this? And then, you know, with safe stating, that's all I kind of needed anyway. So it was like, whatever. But, like, if I had had this game as a kid, like, owned it, so I'd, I wasn't, like, time bound by the three day rental rule as I normally was. How would I feel? Like, would I have ever finished this game? Like, because this, I would have gotten so bad. Like, I'm great at platforming. I always was, but like this. That's uh, not where the difficulty in this game is. Though. That's what it's I'm saying. Like, you, like it, all it takes is just a little thing to screw you. And now you're, you're starting over again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and the places where it would have you start over, I just, I would just look at it like, really? <laughs> all the way, all you the know, way back like, there, right, yeah, yeah. it's just. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, you go back to the door. I guess I didn't even, we didn't talk about it. You go back to the door. I mean, you start you start that area over. You don't, yeah, with nothing, with no whip power-ups, with no whatever. You lose everything. All your hearts, everything, gone. Just gone. Just whacked, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so, like, that section that I had me all pissed off, like, I, like, I'm, like, you know, it was so difficult that I'm, like, what does the fucking Nintendo Power say about this? I go, I jump over there, and they have a very detailed, dude, step-by-step. Of how best to work your way up the climb through all those stairs. Like how to time out each incremental little, basically every serpent head statue. They tell you how to best do that. They take the time to talk about each individual one of them in, a, in essence. And, you know, that is kind of proof that I am not alone in my frustrations wow. of this. You know, that they dedicated that much attention to it that it was super fucked. So, yeah. Makes they do sense. mention, and yeah, they do mention, and that, that, that I'll, I'll, concede that I had because I was spending so little time as Sifa I had not I was not developing or experiencing her weapon upgrades 
And I think that might have been a really shit choice because both her free spell, which goes all directions and freeze things, and you can even jump on them and use them as platforms, which we haven't Whoa. gotten to yet. Uh, so that's a cool feature. And then the lightning spell, like I mentioned, is just a fucking rim wrecker. It uh, just moves around the screen and kill. It homes in on things and just kills shit that you aren't even necessarily trying to deal with. You know what I mean? So those two wow. things probably could have made a lot of shit easier. Uh, that I had trouble with, and that's my fault for not fully exploring that and, and, and trying out shit first. But I don't know, man. <laughs> but I don't know. So that's the last level of bullshit. Those crows before you get to the boss battle. Thank fucking baby Jesus of the Josh Valent variety. And that boss is a really legit looking Frankenstein monster. So you said you fought Frankenstein, right? I did fight Frankenstein. I fought Frankenstein's monster on stage six. Six two, I think. Really? They did? So six two. Definitely stage what? six. Six two or six? Maybe it was six. Yeah, he's at the, he's the end of 5C. So they don't even have that. Six one, six two. Bone King doesn't say anything about him. Huh. Okay. Well, yes, Frankenstein is what I fought at the end of this little sequence. And he is a couple of Todds tall as far as his sprite goes. And he walks with a real slumped and deliberate gait that looks pretty damn gangster. I, like it's, I really like his animation. He's like, he moves really cool. And he can do a stomp that sends a number of blocks falling from the ceiling, as well as chuck a block up at an angle if you try to hide in the corner. And he, uh, like, hide in the corner and toss an axe is pretty easily. They give you an axe right before you get to him. So, you, you know, they... they will tip you off with that sometimes. And then it's pretty obvious that that's the safest place to be. So you kind of go there inherently and try that. But yeah, he can fire some shit up into that corner if you're not careful and get clocks. You gotta, even if you want to stand up there and cheese his ass with that, you do still have to be cognizant of that capability and be able to jump uh, and, and, and deal with that shit. So yeah, I never, I didn't really get down there with him. I'm sure he has a melee attack if you do that, if you're dumb enough to get close to him, but. Yeah, I fucking didn't do that. So you just tuck up there and jump the blocks he throws, and as long as you've held on to... Well, you. So did you fight him in this room that they show here? On page 65? It looks like the room I fought him in, if I remember okay. correctly. Huh. huh. Like, huh. that was that was not that memorable of a fight, to me, honestly. Like, I, the more I look at this, the reason why I looked at this but didn't really use the NES is because... Like, most of the things I experienced aren't even in here. Like, for me, I stage 7, 8, and 9 were all, like, I, I don't really see them all in here. You know what I mean? 6 is in here, <laughs> but I don't see 7 through 9 in here. And that's, where, which, for me, were freaking tough. You know what I mean? That's like, stage wild. 7 had three bosses. Three. Like, that was the first time I came across three bosses and felt like quitting. Oh yeah, well that's in the that's in the castle. Yeah, they don't have it yet. So you're getting into the this castle. This is not though, in so. the castle though. This is before I got to the castle. I'm not I'm in this is stage literally stage seven, then stage eight, then stage nine, before I got to A and all those dashes. Okay, so the the three boss thing was it the mummy Cyclops and what is the third I forget what the third one is, but was it the mummy and cyclops, the three bosses? Um it was like three 
in sarcophagus. Caskets. Yeah. Sarco- yeah. Three casts, one. See, I had that boss battle one. too. Okay. Huh. But they, I think that was in the, I thought that was in the, or I, I have it logged as being in the castle, basically. Uh, okay, okay. I was just going by the stage numbers, like, all right, stage seven, yeah, stage eight. Yeah, super hard. To, to, yeah. It's, uh, until it went to A. Then A, I was like Dracula time. So to me, that was like, okay. Okay. Well, once they, it's basically, what I, the castle's when they changed the map. Okay. So when it changed over to that going through the rooms thing of the internal castle, that's right. the castle. My, I felt know? like my castle's experience was very short, so maybe it's... Maybe starting at stage seven, it really was all the castle stuff. Huh. With the okay. three bosses and all that. Okay. Well, this Frankenstein, when he dies, he drops to his knees. Easily the coolest boss animation, in my opinion, or death animation, I should say, in, his, in my opinion. Like, drops to his knees. He was facing away from me, too, which made it even cooler. Uh, I don't know if that's every time thing or if it just happened to be with his movement pattern. But it was very cool to me. And then back to the map. Uh, on a straight shot again, no decision to be had, and I was heading from the tower to the main castle, so I was going down that uh, bridge, basically, mm-hmm. um, on the right on the right tower, and they call this the Causeway of Chaos, Route Eight, and that is a the stage names are just so damn intense. Like that's such an intense <laughs> Konami going so damn hard with the copywriting for this game. The Nintendo Power description for this is from the Tower of the from the Tower of Terror stretches an evil bridge to the castle. You must cross the span to Intercurse Castle, the haunt of evil Count Dracula. Even though you're practically at the door, you still have a long fight ahead of you. And so, yeah, so what did your... So when you were going through the map, I mean, it shows you those paths with the white lines and stuff. What did your route look like? To me, like, it was confusing. Like, I don't know... Like, I, I don't even know how to explain it that way. I, I just know, like, in terms of, like, the stage... The numbers on the stage, you know, in the, in the upper right of the... Right. I'm just stage. curious what the visual would have been that they would have showed you. Like, again, if it just, like, shows you going across... It, I mean, you have to be going across the lake to get to the castle one way or another. I either. mean, I just did the, you know, the white, the same white stage mechanics, but then, like... Right, but I'm just curious what that line looked like on the map. Is this what I'd, what I'd want to know? Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know. No way to recall that. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I, I just not went, like, stage three, four... Five, six, and then seven, eight, nine, and then A. And it was for me like stage seven, like I said, was freaking tough. That's when I bolded the words, yo, this mechanic sucks, pressing up to <laughs> use your alternate weapon because like I would do it when I didn't want to do it. Um, and it's also when I learned that Alucard finally has his own upgrade ranks. So I was like, oh, snap. Like I realized, like I said before, that. Right. Even if I did the same problem them. I had, yeah, just not using them enough to figure to see that yeah. stuff, and which I, you know, I, yeah, and and even then, like it was on that stupid boss that turned into three when I was like, oh my gosh, like there are three of them. It took me so much to beat the boss the first time until you know having to just beat him over and over and over until I got could do it. I accidentally turned into a bat during that battle because I I was dying. And so I was like, let me try Alucard. So I'm like using him and I somehow accidentally turned into a bat. And I was just like, whoa, what the hell? So like after the battle, I was like, all right, I got to look up like what's going on here. How does that flight mechanic work? I mean, you just 
change into them and you just move like you're just moving you're spread around like you don't you can't okay. you can't shoot can f- you can you can't fly anywhere there's no attack okay you can Copy. yeah you can't attack so like it didn't help me to be a bad in that case in a like, the battle yeah I, I could avoid the like them shooting at me but i could attack so it's kind of like oh, okay I'll useless for that yeah yeah that's tough okay but yeah okay. i i even from there yeah because like i know in the in the manual we have like the the double dragon or the the dragon bosses and stuff like that coming up i never fought them like for me it goes from these three bosses excuse me to like the grim deeper grim reaper boss who turns into death yeah that's it that's yeah yeah those are those are definitely in the castle for sure okay word so yeah i mean i think this i think the dragon thing is my last thing before yeah Root eight is the is the is the drag is the dragon duo. So yeah, so root eight, yeah. There's not really honestly a shit ton to talk about in the levels. They're pretty short. Um, you do have a, a long stone collapsing bridge sequence that tries to pair that bullshit with those fucking crows, and those are uh, it's oh, a pretty I huge pain in the ass. Like the like the bridge collapses all the way behind you, you know, yeah. um, as you go, so you can't stop and fuck around for anything. Um, but yeah, the, you go down below that and you get your dragon duo thing. And this is, this was a battle that the disciples on the page were fucking uh, warning us about, uh, early on. So this was, I was, I went into this with a little bit of dread and uh, the description for these dudes is the absence of enemies in this area should be a clue. Yeah. It it does have a nice, you have a, you have a nice boss approach stretch here where there's, it's enemy free. So that builds some tension. That's pretty cool. But in this area, clue you're getting close to a boss-type character, and sure enough, a pair of water dragons that make their lair near the gates of the of Cursed Castle. These fire-breathing serpents rise out of the water and attack in a learnable pattern. And they pop up together, sometimes somewhat staggered sometimes, and spit fire that goes about three stone blocks of distance from their heads. And it's fairly easy to avoid all, like, their attacks. And it's pretty easy to get a beat on their pattern, as Nintendo Bar suggests, and get behind one. And that's what you have to do, basically. You can, like, the front of them can't be attacked, and they're shooting fire anyways. Mm. So you have to time their coming up out of the water that allows you to jump over them as they're coming up, get behind them, and then hit them before they go back down. You know, gotcha. and uh, I don't know. I mean, you can like I was easily able to take half that meter off in one attack, like in one attack window. So, like, nice. if you can just time that, they're not really very difficult. Like, I almost vaped them on the second try, came one life far short on the second. And then I got the one pro. The, the, the caveat to all this is it's a one hit death situation. Like, it's all platforming. You're on these platforms that like. How you can get knocked off of. So if you do get hit, you're probably dying. It's not necessarily a life meter situation. So I get that that's gotcha. complicating for sure. It did take a few more tries, but generally speaking, it felt like a relatively easy boss battle. I can I get that without saves coming. Maybe not the case, uh, but um, I was kind of surprised about that. And also too, if you don't have the Nintendo Power. Like, you could battle these guys and not understand how to damage them, I think. That's a thing, too. You know, if you don't have Nintendo Power telling you to hit the back of their head, I can see you ramming your head into a wall for a while on these dudes. And again, without, you know, you again, you go all the way back to the beginning of the area. In this case, it's before that fucking collapsing bridge. Because there's no door between the collapsing bridge area and this. So you have to go through all that to get back to the battle, even. I can see that being like a... Mm, no, fucking really un, un, yeah, unpleasant <laughs> experience 
This is also where the Nintendo Power feature drops Baby Bird out of the nest and ends because we are entering the castle. It gives you the message. Now there is no turning back. You have reached Curse Castle, home of Count Dracula, and the deadliest challenges of your journey lie ahead. After these messages, we'll be right back. Konami's Castlevania The Adventure for Nintendo's Game Boy. In the maze of vampire scripts and unearthly evils, it is about to sink its fangs into you. That is a 1990 U.S. market TV commercial for Castlevania Adventure on the Game Boy. The monochrome version of some Belmont, uh, Belmont Warlord chromosomes or whatever they <laughs> called it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we are getting into the castle journey here, and we start with Route 10, the castle courtyard. And this level looks fucking awesome. It's got overgrown foliage, castle exterior kind of thing with a, a great aqua green gray fuchsia color palette. And you... One downside too, you can't really tell what's safe to walk and jump on and what's not. I had a, like right? I had a couple cheap deaths right from the jump. Yeah, yeah. so did yeah. I. I was like, dude, kinda, what what is happening right now? Yeah, kind of fucking bullshit, but whatever. The music is elite here. It's Aquarius. It's the track name. We'll have that uh, for the next break song, actually. And I finally got to fucking Sifa's free spell here at the beginning of this. I finally fucking switched over to her and started checking shit out. And yes, this item lets you shoot frozen crystals in all directions to freeze your enemies for an instant. While your enemies are quick frozen, climb on top of them and destroy them with a blow from the staff. So uh, this is where I looked up that chart and really started like, okay, I, yeah, all right. Here's how to calculably fucking upgrade her and keep her in the things that I want her in spell-wise. And I really started employing her a, a, a little bit more. Uh, the axe and dagger, it kind of makes total sense. The axe and dagger of the fire spell, boomerang is lightning, holy water is freeze. So it is kind of logical, I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, makes sense. Uh, you certainly wouldn't assume that there was a direct correlation for each so they have you pulling out all the stops in this shit show of a level. There's basic serpent statue and axe man climb in the beginning, then a crossing of the teeter-totter bullshit. They really push you to the limits of your ability to control those things here. These were back in the... They introduced them back in the Haunted Ship of Fools. There was one in the beginning that didn't really even belong there that had no risk to it, and it was kind of like... I don't know, like, uh, just, I don't know. I felt like it was like a training program or something uh, <laughs> for what you would see later. Now, it's interesting to me to think about the... You didn't play that level. Had you seen these prior to this, to them being here in one of those levels that you played? The... Or was this the first? Those teeter-totter things where you had to, like, climb on the one and, like, get them to teeter up and then so you could jump yeah. off that higher platform to the next thing. I, Do you remember I seeing those anywhere? somewhere? Yeah. Okay. They, they, All right. Yeah. The, the, the ones with spikes, the one without spikes. Like, yeah, I've yeah. definitely seen them. I never saw them with spikes. Like oh, yeah. those big blue platforms. I never saw them. I don't think I saw yeah, them. Yeah. Like spikes. if you land on one, like it's going to uh, flip. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, so yeah, those things. And then a, you see your first reanimating skeletons. Which were oh, a pretty cool enemy. I hate those, man. Yeah, they, they like suck. pop back. They're like the bone, like the bone uh, deals in Super Mario Three. They what do they call those bone turtles or whatever the fuck they are? Oh my gosh! And then some more. Fuck they, I saw the, I saw those in Stage Three for the first time. Oh yeah, it's not the first time. You're right. You do see them very briefly, uh, but you get some more of those here. Those. 
and then a fuckface fuck face flying crowbridge uh, instance, and then an auto-scroll downward where all the platforms collapse. That was a real beast of, of an area, I would say. And I think that's actually might have been where I was using that... Um, the wristwatch or the clock fucking thing to, to freeze time to get through that. The boss battle here is a real humdinger. Yes, it's that uh, it's a reimagining of that two sarcophagi blue flame deal uh, that I got in the Haunted Ship of Fools, and they uh, drop in an added coffin oh surprise uh, after the mummy and Cyclops with a this big red demon. That's what it was with mm-hmm. with flight capabilities that sustain about as long as a chicken's. Uh, it's very it can only fly for a short period of time. Uh, it was super easy. I thought that part was actually very easy. Um, I had more trouble with the Cyclops. <laughs> I would say. Yeah, it, it um, just took a. I was more used to the multi boss thing at this point. Thankfully, you know, I was like, oh, I got this. This is gonna be three. All right, great. You know what I mean? But it, but it still took me several bosses, or not several bosses, several tries to get each one. Like several tries yeah. of the mummies, several tries to get the Cyclops down, yeah. and then several tries to like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I do feel yeah. like the gargoyle thing was the easiest of, yeah. of all. Once I, that, I, I, I did it the, the first time, I think, at, on him. Oh, nice. The Cyclops was the stumbling block for me. Like I said, without a cheese tactic, I had to... took me a while to figure out a, a way to, to work my way through him. So yeah, the, the demon will fly up a beat and then slam down on the ground. And I don't think any... Which I expected to happen. There'd be, there was any damage or stun shit that would go on when he slammed down, which mm. was kind of surprising to me. But it was, yeah, really easy to avoid and very slow moving through the whole cycle of his uh he eventually shot some fireballs at me maybe i just had a lucky draw i guess but i'd already trounced his ass with todd's whip attack by then so by the time he was getting the fireballs i can kind of just spam through him so back to the map i realized my understanding of the inner castle cartography at first glance was quite wrong the so yeah when you first get this map here it like i thought because I'd read that you entered the castle at different points. Yeah. So I was thinking that perhaps I had entered at the place that was closer to Dracula. Because the way this is segmented up on the map screen, you get like a little bat icon at the end of like the section you're in. And I assumed each one of those rooms leading up to the bat icon were the different stages that I'd be going through in my route to Dracula. And that, yes, I had just entered, however I had entered in a way that didn't require me to do the whole castle. Uh, that's not the case, though. <laughs> I, it, the, the bat icon will eventually end up moving. So that, yeah, was surprising to me that I that I misinterpreted that uh, and bummed me out, too, of course. <laughs> All I know is I stopped trying to understand it. I was just like, I don't really understand. How <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that's, I, I was literally just going by the stage numbers at the top of the screen at this point. Cause I'm like, I don't, I don't really understand. I don't have any clue of how the, the how, map actually what, works. what geography this corresponds to. Yeah. I exactly. feel that. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was very confusing. Uh, whatever the case in here, you don't get to make any choices either. So yeah. So I, I went through the whole game with just the one or two choices, I guess. Uh, yeah. At the very beginning. Yeah. I think that makes sense. I, I it felt like there were more than that, I guess. Like, you go, then I went down. Then I went down again. I feel like I had more choices later, and I just automatically just kept going down, whatever it said. Okay. But that was kind of just it, though. But I 
But again, I, I, I went through every stage except for stage two. One, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and then the, the A. Okay. You know, it's funny, too. I found out later that to help me, the only way I was able to make any sense of all this, the map, the pullout poster uh-huh. on the other side of the Mega Man 3 has Dracula's Castle. The roots there, if you want to, if you want to go through that. So yeah, so I. That's a good question then. So here you are. Yeah, this is okay. So there is still some divergence because yes, I went from route ten with the sarcophagus, sarcophagi, three boss deal, straight to route fourteen, the Grim Reaper level. So there's you know eleven, twelve, thirteen in there that I didn't fuck with. And 13 is what? 70A. Uh, what, what do you fight here? Uh, I definitely did level 7. Stage 7. Okay, 70A, 701, route 12, the gold blocks here. Yeah, I didn't see any of that shit. I went straight to 14. So I imagine there probably is something to do with what route we took in that changed where we went in on the map oh for sure that's what it kind of looks like i'm looking at the stage so but it, 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 the visualization it gave me is i ended up going through all of that on the map the the castle map so really i don't understand I just don't understand <laughs> the logistics of this game it doesn't make any fucking sense man none at all uh okay well I went into the main hall, and this is a, a pretty boring back-and-forth climb. Axe tossers, ectoplasm slimes dropping down from the ceilings. Those are kind of new, uh, or those were new, I suppose, but everything else was pretty much shit we'd seen. Uh, this was I first got Sifa's lightning spell, and this is described as lightning bolt shoots zapping balls in three directions, so let's fucking party. And the manual actually titles these, Goodness Gracious Great Bolts of Lightning is, is the name of the item. <laughs> so nice. pretty fucking wild. So this is another collapsing bridge sequence leading into the boss battle arena, uh, but that's it for pre-boss challenges, in my uh, humble opinion. So it was a pretty easy run-up to the Grim Reaper. And this is a return. All these enemies are present in the previous games, too, so I shouldn't say uh, this is unique. But he's back here, and he's flying around with his scythe. Groups of four spinning size also appear and home in on you pretty constantly, which is very reminiscent of his mechanics in the previous games, too. I had the axe for Todd in this case, and you can really tag his ass with that. And uh, I had the two of the time upgrade, too, so I could even fire rate faster. And I almost took him down the very first time, actually. Wow. Yeah. So I had that happen. I died, and then I came back and tried the lightning spell with Sifa. And holy shit, did this fucking vape him. It was just... Like, I had one experimental run there, but basically came with her and just fucking waxed this dude with the lightning spell. Uh, you're looking like you did not have the same experience. <laughs> I definitely did not have the same experience. I It took me several tries. I mean, I was just, okay. you know, once he turned into the... Right, yeah. he's got a, So he's got a transition. Yeah, he, he dies, which, it, it, again, great moment because I didn't see that coming at all. So when a new boss appeared, I was like, fuck! Yeah, yeah, and it's like, yeah, a huge skeleton face appears in the middle of the screen. Looks cool. Its eyes light up with blue energy, and the sides keep appearing. Uh, but the actual head movement is slow and super easy to avoid. Yeah, I'm on this part. Like my kids had like gathered round, had gathered round the old dad, and they were watching me like try to beat him over and over again because I, you know, kept dying with the sickles flying across the screen. But yeah. you know, so it, t- it obviously took me several tries to like get, but I had the 
I had the uh, boomerang at this time. So it was that was helping like go through hitting him and his sick, sickles. So I eventually got him down and the the skull part was actually easier. So it I I had definitely had some trouble. It didn't take me all day, but it was, you know, I at this point was very concerned because I had already gone through you know the the three three boss the situation before this and now this was like a multi-stage and you know what i mean i had it's like where is this going yeah, yeah yeah i was very concerned i'm like oh my gosh dracula is gonna like <laughs> yeah. well like, i was very concerned i didn't need to experience a bunch of bullshit prior to dracula to expect dracula to be super fucked after my first dracula <laughs> experience in the first castlevania so yeah that was already looming in my mind maybe that i'm sure that colored my negativity through this latter half of the game to begin with that like no matter how frustrated i was here i expected the end of the game was going to be worse so yeah. <laughs> that was uh yeah it certainly colored my experience the, that looming sense of dread uh, okay, well, you move out of the Grim Reaper boss into the inner halls, Route 15, and we start here with some more Contra Spike plates and then get back to that stair, serpent head, flying gargoyle shit that this game fucking sucks, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, on top of everything that sucks about the stairs and everything I already described, I think the hitboxes on those gargoyles ain't right, too. Like, Hitting those, on, I mean, you're already complicated by the yeah. limitations of being stuck to those stairs. Like, I felt like the hitboxes on taking them out, which is just a one-hit thing. So, like, thank God that's the case. But getting the hitbox to work out was really f super fucked up, man. Like, I mean, yeah, I was. this was, I wrote in my notes here, fuck this game, for real, fuck this game, and all the people that made and the horses they rode in on. Or made it, <laughs> rather, and all the horses they rode in on. Like, just fucking an absolutely brutal sequence of the game here. And the waterfall and this bullshit ascent looks amazing, though. Behind the stairs, there's, like, this waterfall coming down behind it, and it looks beautiful. The water looks great in this game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was a cool visual thing. And, I like, if you pause the game there... The water keeps running. I get that. I that. do. I did the same thing, and I was like, "Wait, what?" I thought I hadn't yeah. paused it, and I was right, like, "Right, right, right." Wait, I wonder no, why that because it's that, still going. How? Did yeah. They do you do, that? do you remember like that was that was the case in Moonwalker? Like, I wonder what there is, what it is about water animation in video games of this time where they that's the case that the water, you know, that that's a that continues to pop its head up. I feel. Right. I feel, I can't think of the specific citations in addition to moonwalker but i feel like i've seen that we've seen that a few times and that's interesting that that keeps happening yeah this this stage sucked but like i, I, appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate that the whip is able to kind of kill the enemy's projectiles you know what i mean even those stupid dragon statues their projectiles yeah. like well that's yeah that's a critical those like yeah oh my gosh key yeah, and it's fire, so they didn't have to give you that. Probably they could have justified not giving you that. But that, honestly, they probably did originally, and in playtest, and they were like, "This is literally impossible." <laughs> You're insane yeah. if you don't change. So yeah, so they could, they were like, "Fuck, conceded." Okay, fine. At the top of that sequence is another one of the uh, which we'd seen previously, a, a pretty cool against the current water sequence. Um, they have crows and fishmen for complication here, but it's, yeah, the water flows in different ways and you have to like, you're, you're, it has the like movement impediment when you're going against the current that, 
is interesting and, and a little bit of a, a cool mechanic change. And then a bridge crossing where the platforms are turning ones with the spikes on the underside, and those are pretty tough to time out. Uh, but what have you. And then we get Medusa heads and their shitty, shitty sine wave come barreling at you from both sides as you cross these two. Also shitty. And then you get a moment of calm, i.e. a pending doom, after you enter the cathedral window area after the bridge, and that's because you're approaching some boss battle doom. And this is a mere image battle. And I was a little surprised to find that it's not just Todd. It's whomever you're controlling. And on top of it being any one of the characters, they all have the Warakayan war items, too. So they have the secondary weapons. And that's kind of brutal, man. They they appear in that tiny little alcove in what appears to be the Exodor. So it was a moment of where, again, just like total surprise. Because you think you have to walk up to and it looks like you're about to go through the door. And then you can't, and they appear right behind you in that alcove, you know. So uh, I felt very bushed, <laughs> for, for sure there. See, so yeah, I was hot for the first time, and I didn't like having to be down in that hole with the fucking thing. So when I tried it the second time, I came back as Sifa and just climbed up to the... Add a lightning spell. So I'm like, okay, you know, I can fucking probably not even have to engage this. And sure enough, you could jump up to that platform above it. And the way that sprite tracks you, it can jump up and get out of that alcove, but it's not necessarily inclined to. So I was able to kind of keep it tracking towards me against the left wall there and never really come up to where, or didn't to never come up to that higher platform. And I was able to just spit out the fucking lightning balls to, to blow right through this. And I would bet if without that spell, this is a whole lot harder. <laughs> it is a whole lot harder. Can't confirm. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I started out as Trevor with this. And then eventually I was like, let me just try fucking Alucard, you know? And I think at that point, I'm, I think I had the spread attack for him. So it was, he had a stronger balls of, dest- of destruction. And so I was always jumping back and forth constantly from firing at him from the corner for firing at myself. And then he would come at me and then I would have to, you know, navigate past him and jump to the other side and keep spraying him from that side. So it took a it took a couple of back and forth before before he died, but that's eventually what took it down. Okay, yeah, I was surprised. Like, it, they do have the war items, but like I expected when I whipped out the lightning spell that I was going to get it back thrown at me, and the, the mirror image just used the fire spell the whole time. And like like I said, it's down below me, so it's literally just fucking cooking that door is really what it was doing. Uh, so yeah, I felt hmm. super lucky. Yeah, super were, super they, lucky. Mine were definitely mirroring me. Like when I was using Trevor, he was definitely throwing axes back at me, or not, you know the the X's. Yeah, it was yeah, it me. was using boomerangs on me too when yeah, I was. But like he was he was mirroring whatever I did, so you you got lucky. Yeah. Whew. Well, that's good to hear. When <laughs> uh, when they die, their sprite kind of looks like it's spazzing out, like burning alive below the flames, <laughs> and I don't feel like I'd noticed that with the previous bosses. So that was kind of cool, like some additional animation stuff on death. And I expected this was just a mini boss and that there'd be more before heading back to the map for the final route. But uh, it ended up not being the case. You just go right into the, the next stage. So that was a little bit of a relief as well. And this is Route 16, Dracula's final clock tower. 
And you start here with a little bit of calm before getting into the clock tower itself, which initiates an auto-scroll descent. And the very first clock gear you interact with is stupid as fuck, dude. Did you... Were you able to... Like, you go across that platform, you go on the stairwell, and you get into the clock, like the gear area. Mm-hmm. And the two large ones that you first encounter, like, they're in interlocking fashion, and you can't get over them before the auto-scroll would clip you off and kill you. So the only way I was able to discern was to go to the left down below the platform and you're too tall to do it. So you're like, it was like a, I had to like glitch myself through. <laughs> I definitely felt a couple times trying to do that. I think I went, I went right and like fell in between them. I'm pretty sure. Really? I would not even yeah. have thought that you could do that because I would assume you get crushed. So nah, that's what I did. Okay, definitely so did I get crushed. There's no crushing. It just moved okay. you in that direction. Okay. Well, yeah, I I had like a unreasonable amount of friction there for like, again, I just thought it was fucking broke, so that No, it was the second screen for me. Once I got to the second screen, like I'll try to drop down, I would just die multiple times. Oh to, yeah. Like, freaking wait. Like, oh yeah. my gosh. Yep. Yeah. Uh yeah, this is not a pleasant experiment. This is actually, I, I lied. This is where I got the clock, and fucking only way I made it through was freezing the enemies, or I probably never would have been able to do it. Oh, wow, 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 wow. Yeah. Uh, so they tie a bow on this bullshit area with another collapsing bridge with a couple of serpent head effigies and bats. Awful experience getting through that. <laughs> and right at the start of the next area, I got an axe drop from a candle and had a moment of crisis regarding whether I wanted that boomerang, I that or the boomerang I had in tow. So I literally... I moved to another save slot. <laughs> of course. And saved. And then went back to the, the working for this stage save slot in case I, like that axe was an integral thing for something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, here at the end. So yeah, I was, I was being extra safe scummy here uh, out of total uh, crippling fear. <laughs> yep. So yeah, so upstairs there's some massive swinging clock pendulums that, while looking cool, I didn't even kind of under, like understand were supposed to be platforms. Were you confused by this? Not really, but like... I had I, no idea I had to cross those, dude. None. Really? Yeah, I went up those stairs, I went back down, I like walked around for, you know, probably, you know, without trying to be fucking hyperbolic, of 45 seconds. I was just like, what in the fuck am I supposed to do here? <laughs> yeah, I did not understand that I needed to jump on those fucking things at all. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I in, intuited that pretty pretty clearly. Okay. Well, you get up onto those, and then you're moving back left, and they, of course, pepper in some flying shit to make that not easy uh, to, get, to get through a handful of them, though, and you hit another door that takes you outside to the bottom of a staircase that ascends right up off the screen. And down below, you can see a river rushing beneath a huge archway that supports the stairwell, moonlit mountains in the distance. It looks fucking amazing, dude. Yeah, it looks incredible. And I immediately recognized this was a near-splitting image of the steps up to Dracula in Castlevania 1, which is a very nice touch, Konami. Very nice touch. And you go up the stairs onto the next screen, and it's the exact same crescent moon hanging in the sky that they had in the first game, too. And it's just such a badass NES boss approach. It's just, I, I mean, I... I said this about the first one, and I don't think this is any different. I don't think there's a better one on the system. I just don't. Uh, and it's beautiful mm-hmm. that they that they that they recognize that and mirrored it exactly. You know what I mean? Uh, it's a really cool creative choice, I think. 
Pressing forward, you enter Dracula's chamber, a few more candles for some last-minute heart infusion, and some large glass windows before you find the Count sitting patiently in his throne with this cape draped around him. And he'll sit seated like that until you get quite close, maybe a third of the screen from him, which is pretty cool and, like, I don't know, a power move, I think, you know. Uh, so that, that was cool to me. When you do inch up to him, he stands. He raises a previously unseen scepter. Flames shoot up out of the ground on both sides of your sprite. And you are now in a boss battle against Dracula. And he's got three phases to him. The first phase is he stays rooted to the ground and in standard Dracula form pretty much the whole time. Or not pretty much, definitely the whole time. His attack pattern starts with casting out the aforementioned flames from the ground with a raising of a scepter. And this is interesting as fuck, dude. It took me a lot. Like, I chanced through this phase a couple of times without really having an understanding of really? how this worked and really the way to best game it and kind of make it through dependably. You know what I mean? Like, I you, you learn that these flames should be thought of as the periphery of your movement range during this yes. attack phase. Yep. And I don't know the exact math for it, but you seemingly have an effect on how wide that range is so i think if you keep walking in one direction while he's kind of charging this up or whatever you'll have more room to work with and that's fucking key because the next phase of this phase is the larger column of fire coming up from the ground somewhere in the space between and that's dictated by wherever you're at in the nanosecond that he like cues it so the only way to avoid it because it has like a, a, a few front warning frames below the ground there. But if you're at a standstill, you're not going to be able to make it off of it. So you have to be walking. And the only way you have enough room to be walking far enough off where the flame would be is if you've created enough of a, of a range in that previous phase yeah. to be able to be already in full motion, full speed motion, you know. And yeah, I did. That was really hard for me to figure out uh, oh, man. before I got it down. Oh man, I, I I was able to figure that out. That was that was pretty nice. The the interesting thing, it was definitely like the middle flame would pop up at two and a half seconds. So if you went the full three that you normally would, you were gonna get hit. And but if you went a full two if you went at two, you wouldn't get the chance to attack again. But like if you waited till two, you were always gonna be safe. So it's uh, like you had Yeah, to- I, I wasn't even trying to attack him in this phase, so that's funny that you were even oh. trying to get offensive there, yeah. Uh, I was just assuming I was on the defensive. And then when he moves, you know, which is what he does. He, so he, after he does that fire shit, he'll do a teleport move out to the middle of the screen and then repeat the above. And it gives you like a more, a little bit more of a constrained overall to work with. And once you get through that cycle, he moves back to the throne. So he never moves, thank God, never moves out to the right or you there, you would be pinned, you know, pinned against the wall. You'd have no chance in hell. Uh, so yeah, so when he was moving is when I would run up and fucking tag his ass uh, and then run away and try to create that range to Interesting. Um, make the yeah. fire shit. Yeah, yeah it took I, me three or three or four rounds of that phase to get a, get the handle on it all. Oh yeah, yeah, same here. It, I, I came in with only seven axes so I was kind of like, man, like, oh, of man, all yeah. the times that I've had all these amazing weapons, like I, you know, safe stated myself yeah. to the point where like, that's, this is where, this is where I'm at. This is what's happening. You know? Uh, so yeah, I knew that 
ammunition won't be a thing. And I was safe. Got my mind fucking ass off at this part of the game. So I, yeah, weapons were not an issue for me. Thank God. I had 50 something, I think, ammo wise. So yeah, I was never worried about boomerang too. I was using the boomerang here. Uh, but and, but the good thing is like this is where Alucard shined like being able to switch to him because I had like leveled him up so he had like the spread was a like that and you could just fire so, that yeah I mean, that's essentially the boomerang same concept uh, so it, does it only does it take does his attack take more ammo I don't feel like any of Sif's I think it was still just I don't think it took an increased amount for like the the better spells I can't recall no it the it was the bat that kind of takes your hearts away. Like okay. when you're in bat form, it does. But once you've, because you, is get, that how it worked? It, you get the entire you get time you're in bat form. Each, yeah. Each, each like second or whatever. Oh, okay, like it will count down. down okay. Hearts. But like if you, as long as you're not in bat form, because you get a whip, like as an upgrade to your balls of destruction. So you're not, once you get that leveled up, you're good. Good. Ready to go. Well, when you empty that, and you you have to empty the whole life meter on each one of these phases, but when you empty it the first time here, his body explodes, his head flies up into the air, and then five more identical heads appear below that one, and they all morph into like a larger, uglier face sprite, and each one of the faces congeal into a rather disgusting blob of shit that begins flying around the room for phase two, and this is pretty straightforward. Like It flies around and drops blood below it, the five uh, faces. Right, exactly. Yeah, just like the the the, the width of the sprite only. Yeah. So it's, you know, easy to, to tell where it's going to fall. And they come out in spurts of three to five drops, I would say, as best as I could count. And they have breaks in after those spurts that allow you the opportunity to run beneath and get out to the, the bigger side of the room and so you don't get pinned up against the wall, you know. So, yeah, I mean, it it, it was pretty easy in my opinion because I'm siphoning here and I can just pop off the balls and then just avoid avoid the thing. Because it flies up so high that I'm sure if you don't have an attack that can get up into the air, it's probably a whole lot tougher. Uh, so Sifa was clutch uh, in this phase for sure. Did you, so you were, how did you deal with that? So still Alucard, you know what okay. I mean? Um, the balls? Well, going up. Yeah, I did. I was switching between being Trevor and just running up close and just whipping him like to death between those points. Um but once I ran out of axes, I just kind of switched to Alucard and just went same thing, just like spread shooting him. But since I mean I'm at least hitting him with the diagonal, right. maybe the straightforward depend if I'm jumping or if I'm, you know, right. depending on the flight pattern. Uh so yeah, I was able once I realized just what you said, like oh, I can just run underneath when I can. Oh yeah, that that actually on this fight particularly when the head would get close, where it's going to like run into me, I would turn into a bat and then like fly up. Oh, like, that's to a nice. The top. Yeah. I'll fly up and then it would kind of immediately just like go back to the other, go back left of screen again, and then I would just like drop back down and blast it again. So a couple, couple times being a bat kind of saved me. You know, just having right. just enough hearts to like make it fly away. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, I didn't get any of that movement stuff that we didn't even talk about Grant up to this point, but, you know, he's renowned for being able to climb the walls and get in the areas that you can't get to and stuff. So, you know, you see a lot of that throughout the game. We didn't really talk about it, but there's a lot of instances where you see something, it's like, you can't get there with just the Yeah, like, Trevor's how, how do I even get that? What are we talking right, about? Right, yeah, and that's 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 all Alucard and, and Grant. So, and had I known Alucard could freaking fly, 
before that boss battle. Might have, <laughs> might have checked all that out. Yeah, who knows how much crazy shit there is to get into. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, we'll come back to it here in the summation, of course. But yeah, that's just, there's just so much reason to play it again if you want to experience it all. Yeah. No way to do it on the first time through, for sure. So when you frag that second form, the whole thing falls apart. Uh, and, and it's actually, we didn't mention it, but the... As each fifth of the meter that you knock off, the face turns into a uh, a bone skeleton. Let's so go. you can you can visually see on the sprite it dying, and that's cool. But yeah. once you empty the meter, it all falls apart, and off the bottom of the screen, the couple of beats passes in the empty room before a massive winged demon emerges from the shadows at the back of the room. And this is the beginning of phase three. And the demon doesn't actually move. Which kind of suggests to me it's just a statue and not an actual demon. I don't know. But it does shoot energy beams from its hands and eyes. And these seem to be of varying lengths. The longer ones could be very tough to jump over. It would be too long to, you know, like outlasted a jump animation, basically. And then two sets of blocks from the floor immediately fly up into the air and begin floating around the room to act as, act as platforms for you to ride. Because the whole deal... I'm not, And that's interesting, like... At first, I thought it was like its head, jewel, horn kind of thing, but it's not. Like, the hitbox is, like, kind of in the, like, it's the chin area or, like, top of the chest or something. Uh, and it, it was hard for me to discern because I'm using Sifa here, and those balls kind of just fly around. So I wasn't necessarily targeting anything manually, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yes, yeah, so I'm not real sure what the weak point is, to be exact, from my experience. But if you were dealing with that, the platforms would be intended for you to ride and be able to get to whatever that hitbox spot is, I presume. So that's what I was trying to do initially is ride these fucking things around the room. And <laughs> that's not easy to do and puts you very much at risk of getting capped by those fucking laser beams. I would learn I didn't need to do that after a bunch of frustrating fails. How did you beat Dracula? So I I found a spot on the right side of the screen where... Yep, okay. I, if I could jump straight up there, I could hit him with my my spread attack from Alagar. Okay. And, you know, sometimes the block would jump up under me and take me up and I would like, you know, get close to him and have to shoot. But I would go back to where I'm like far enough away where I can jump up above and pretty much like maneuver out of the way of his blast and anything else that he's doing there. And the spread attack just gets him. So I would try to, my whole goal was just to jump up and down and just shoot him from there. Like stand still and jump and just shoot him from there. And if something happens to me, get back to home base as soon as I can and continue. Okay. Yeah. So I would eventually find that same spot and that's the key for sure. I'm curious whether Grant and Trevor can exploit that spot as well, but yeah, so I'm riding those platforms, and like we didn't, you know, go like the, so they, you know, they come out each cycle, like they go around the room and go back to their spot, and and while they're gone, those are pits in the ground, so you can one hit death into those for sure, yeah. and they appear pretty quickly and definitely can catch you out. You don't know which one, which blocks are gonna fly up, so that's discombobulating. And then you're riding them, and they'll pass, and you can kind of get knocked onto the, or you like get transferred to the other platform, and like it's. It's just really hard to, and you're getting the laser beams fired at you too. Riding the platforms is a bitch, basically. And to complicate that, dude, I was enduring 
horrible animation slowdown here. And really? yeah, with those energy beams and the platforms, it's constant movement. So having that happen to me made it impossible, basically. And yes, I was... I mean, I think I kept it together. I streamed this. I streamed my boss battle. And I think if you compare my Castlevania boss stream, Castlevania 1 boss stream, and this Castlevania boss stream, uh, I, I think I, I've uh, much more metered this time around. <laughs> uh, but very frustrating nonetheless, especially because, again, it's just the game failing, you know? And fucking Al, uh, Lord types Disciple Al on the Facebook page, tried, he's like, that was the... Uh, Sifus balls are what were causing the slowdown. And I'm like... That's not a valid fuck off. <laughs> yeah, that's like that's bullshit. Like that's not a valid reason what? for there to be animation slowdown on right. the final boss. It's just not. It's not an excuse. Like one of the main like intended to use it's weapons, nuts. the best in the game probably. Yeah, you know, w- once you take the movement need out of it and you move to that spot, no big deal. But if you're in the mode of having to deal with those platforms and deal with that. It, it was impossible, basically. It was fucking impossible. So, yeah, completely unplayable and a cardinal fucking sin in my book uh, to, to have that going on, uh, Konami. Um, you know, and I guess if, if, if it is... Again, this doesn't justify it, but if... if it is just that attack... You, you had no slowdown here at all, right? With his... With Dracula's att- ball attack? I don't, I don't think so, because, like, even... Like, it felt like... It kind of felt like they led you to the spot to get him, right? Because I had the axes. You know, I had seven axes left. And the place where I had to stand to be able to actually hit him with the axes was that same is spot. <laughs> pretty much the same place where, like, I, when I switched to Alucard, would also stand to, like, shoot him and hit him with my spread attack. Okay. So it was kind of like, I felt like this is the spot. You know, I could move... I, you know, I'm, I obviously didn't know that at first, so I would be closer to him, get hit, get too far back, get hit, but, like, I could stand here and be able to jump up above the, you know what I mean? So it kind of just okay. felt like this was the place I had to stand. Like, I still had to deal with the, the moving blocks, but, like, it was easier for me to kind of get back to where I needed to be as well. Right, right, right. Not actually using them to do the attacking. Yeah, the... Uh, well, I, 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 tr- I tried using them at one point, you know, before riding around like you did. And I was like, oh, right. like it's this great when not, I'm close, but like now I can't maneuver. That's not it, yeah. So, and yeah, you don't... Yeah, when they fire, like I said, some of, those are, some of them are too long, you can't jump the bolt, so you're just fucked. Yeah. Yeah, well, what I was getting at there was that if Sif is the only one with the slowdown yeah, and the spot is getting in that corner... You know the problem goes away basically. You're not you're no longer dealing with the movement. You still don't want a fucking animation slowdown, but it takes a lot of the risk of having one and having to. You know you're not dealing with timing things nearly as much in that case. Mm-hmm. The balls are just flying around, and all you got to do is jump the fucking laser when it's the angled one coming at you. Know so. Yeah, much easier once you find that. But yeah, I, I had a, a nice stint of just like this is a broken game and it's all fucked up and fuck this video game, you know? Because really, oh, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. I was very, very displeased. Oh, well, um, if you are able to survive it and you empty that life meter the third time, the statue rather anticlimactically fades back into the black background, and the platforms that are out of time, ta- out at the time, plottingly work their way back to the rightful place in the floor. 
Another red crystal drops. I don't know, that's kind of land that you need that there, just as it has for every boss prior, and they do the same heart life point count countdown before going to the end game sequence. And I thought that was dumb too. Uh, you don't need any of that <laughs> shenanigans. It should just go from the death to the fucking to the end. But whatever. Get into the end credits. It cuts to an awesome shot. Uh, in my case of Todd and Sifa, in your case, uh, what's behind you? And they're side by side looking out at the castle from a far off vantage. The sun rising over the mountains behind it. Obviously an inspiring tune fires up. The castle crumbles into ruins below, and just as the spires disappear from view, Sifa's hood comes off, and her long, waistline-length blonde hair tumbles out and begins blowing in the wind. And then Todd puts his arm around her, and she lies her head on his shoulder. So well, that is uh, that's yeah, so exactly. different than mine. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. As you can imagine. Uh, right. The Background fades to black, leaving just the two of them on the rock in the foreground as a text scroll begins over the black. And each character gets their own in-game copy here and their own in-game animation. As you were describing, Alucard, what? I think Alucard's cape just blows, right? Yeah, they obviously, yeah, yeah, they're just standing. And Alucard is like a full head taller than freaking Belmont. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it looks, yeah, it looks like they... Are standing on different heights, but if you look at their feet, they're on the exact place. Even it not even kind of looks like it. Maybe his his back foot, his left foot, is kind of like you can't see the sole. So it looks like my, he might even be stepping down a little bit onto a lower platform. And yeah, he's still <laughs> a whole head and shoulders taller than than Trevor. Okay, so the in the case of Sifa. The Sifa endgame here, my copy was, Trevor made some sacrifices. The long fight is over. Dracula is dead and all the other spirits are asleep. Sifa, the vampire killer, has had a bad life. But since she met Trevor, she's beginning to feel more comfortable with herself. And yeah, there's just so many mixed, unexplained messages from this game. And, and it's lore about Sifa's gender and shit. It's, it's very wild for the times, I think. Uh, all the shit going on there. So yeah, you know, like, again, my whole prognosis, as I mentioned early on, about how I just thought it was like a incongruence between intention by the developers and the manual copywriters adhering to some marketing philosophy or some bullshit. But here it is right in the game. And like, you know, I guess you easily could get to the fact that like the people writing that didn't play the game probably and see the end. So again, they were probably just like, Oh, there's no, whatever. They didn't even think about that. You know what I mean? Um, And no one's going to check you on it and whatever. So yeah, it's just, yeah, it's very, very interesting and, and, and very, very unique for the times. And and I thought it just just sounds like she was, living a life of like battling and fighting and doing all that. But now since she met Trevor, now that she fell into her like, like assigned role as a woman and now she's happy. Her life is complete. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. That is. Yeah. She's putting down the fighting and now she's, she's she's just happy to be herself. Yeah. It's kind of wild. I didn't even think of that negative side of it. So yeah, it finishes up here with copy after this fight, the Belmont name shall be honored by all people. And yeah, I watched a vid of all the credits to check out the variances. So uh, yeah, like we already mentioned, for Alucard, the first paragraph is the same. Do you have do you have the rest of his copy? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the first car- paragraph is the same. But then after that, it says, 
The battle was won by Trevor and Alucard, but Alucard feels guilty because he killed his real father. <laughs> Trevor realizes this as he stands there thinking about Alucard. Yeah. After this fight, the Belmont name shall be honored. By right, yeah, people. and the last paragraph is the same too. Yeah, it's yeah, that's really goofy to me. Like, like they're both just realized, like, oh damn, I killed my dad. <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah, it's 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 a super like soap opery basic right? <laughs> shit. Yeah, it's it's funny to me. Like, yeah, Dan, that is your dad. How you feel about that? That's fucked up. I don't know. <laughs> it's just you laying know, on like, you now. Just, yeah, as if he hadn't had to have worked this out prior long, to long ago. Yeah, yeah like, right, prior right. to deciding to help you. Right. So Grant does a double fist pump when the castle crumbles, and his copy is both feel their friendship is stronger since they work together to rid Wallachia. Uh, city of evil grant will start to rebuild the destroyed areas of the city and it's yeah it's fucked up to me that he's just got to go right back to being a manual laborer after finishing all this <laughs> right you know? no no respect for this dude uh, yeah and uh, but it also leans more into our philosophy that he's that he's a, a blue collar pirate and he's not uh right. there's no captain there's no right. captain here right <laughs> sorry so it didn't occur to me but watching this video you can of course finish this game without a companion at all and they did account for that in the okay. in-game stuff here. So in that case, Homeboy stands on the rock watching the castle fall alone. And he has a cape that blows in the wind in this case. Like in the, he stands okay. in the place where the companions are normally standing in the other animations. And the copy here reads, In the shadows, a person watches the castle fall. Trevor must go for now, but he hopes someday he will get the respect that he deserves. And then they have the same final sentence about the Belmont name being honored. So those two things are very conflicting. What the fuck's up with that, you know? They clearly didn't think about everything in that case, but... Goes from that, whatever it might have been visually, to the fading to the title card as the end music fades out and a shot of Sifa fades in with the credit music. And they go through like the team members in a kind of a weird way. The the first one is Sifa, yeah, and it's, it reads Vampire Hunter. Sifa Velmendes, uh, whatever it reads. And then, and then it cycles through shots of Acrobat Grant Dynasty and Alucard Adrian F. Tepez. And what the fuck is Adrian F. Tepez? Why do they call, why do they, what is that? And then why do they call Grant an acrobat instead of a pirate, you know? That's the first time we're seeing that See? terminology. That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like the pirate thing was a complete mistake. Cause somebody <laughs> was, or they didn't know, and they're like, ah, uh, pirate. You know? Yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. But yeah, who the fuck is Adrian? Like, what does Adrian F. Tepes have to do with Dracula's kid? Like that? I don't know. That's I don't was know. That, I don't know what was that his name before? No, because he's Dracula's. I, who knows? Yeah, It'd be Romanian. Like Vlad the Impaler is the. Yeah, this is. I don't know, man. Like, I don't have any any connection there i'm thinking it's gotta just i i, I want to say it's just they're talking about a real person there and it's just some sort of thanks nod or i don't know I, yeah, I, don't, I don't know what to make of that i would love to i didn't see anything about an explanation please do write in and tell us if you have one then it's it's trev's turn but the text reads produced by konami dracula 3 project team and uh, you know it doesn't have his name nor does it have any actual developers uh, for credits and, and these companies with their guarded developer bullshit is just so fucking lame 
They go from that to a shot of Trev that's captioned and starring Trevor C. Belmont. And below that, they have a parenthetical with whatever you named him in the beginning. And I got a super big kick out of seeing Todd there. Uh, <laughs> so I was, I was pretty pleased about that. And then it cuts to the Konami logo, and we are out. Josh, what do you think? I beat this game. And I've already said I'm certain there is a ton of content I missed out on. Yeah, I even even within like things that you like levels, characters that you need to go back and replay to experience. Like I even feel like like we talked about, we didn't utilize the full scope of the characters we had. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, so there's just so much that I haven't played yet that I feel like should be factored into this decision making. So like that, I'm giving it some points for that, that there's so much there uh, that is still unaccounted for for a person doing the first playthrough of this. And that's certainly a positive to cram all that into the game. So that's good. And the presentation is off the fucking wall. Great. It has like all three of these games has been that that's been the case. Uh, it's like the mu all every single track. I mean, you know, they, they are soundtracks. Like the music is incredible. The visuals are incredible. The leaning on the cinematic shit is incredible. All the copywriting incredible. Like all the presentation stuff is so fucking good. It's almost impossible to try to grade anything. You know, it's just so well presented that it it almost. If you don't let yourself, like, like really, I went through, you know, the first half of the game, I'm like, there's, there's no debate here. Obviously, this gets the blessing. Like, there's just no fucking way to argue it, you know, because this is all so good. But like, but. I don't know. Like, I, I had to talk myself. I talked myself out of it. Like, I, this, I had given it the blessing. You know, I, and I like, I fucking, like I said, cinematics, awesome. End credits, awesome. Map shit. I love maps. Looks great. The fucking traversing that branching paths, all of that is so well presented. And I got to like the last third of the game and I had all those fucking things like it's broke. The game is broke. This is a broken game. Dude. Like all that shit is <laughs> incredible. It's a broken game. Like, uh, broken. All, like so much of it is great, but it's a broken fucking game. The parts that don't work are truly unplayable. Like, the steps bullshit, the unresponsiveness of your sprite, the slowdown at times, they're just complete, is, that's completely unacceptable. Like, I don't give a, like, the, the, I don't give a shit if it is the only, the one thing. Like, that's the final phase of the final boss battle against Drac, you fucking law. Like, you can't, that can't not work. There can't be a situation where that doesn't work if you want this to be considered a completely, a complete game that is, properly whatever QC'd and should be you know to be perceived what what have you and like yeah I, there's just so many times 
were these things that were broken about it had me save stating incessantly to get through. Like, in on OG hardware? Like, get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. And, like, it's not... <laughs> it's not... I've applauded games for being difficult. Like, I don't have a problem with difficulty. Batman is hard. It gets the blessing. Castlevania 1 is hard. It gets the blessing. Mega Man 2... It's kind of hard. Definitely gets the blessing. Like hard, we've given we've given the blessing to incredibly hard games many times before. I have specifically. So I'm not knocking this game for being hard. I'm knocking it for being broke. And I, yeah, I, I would have, I would have obliterated this. I, I, I would have, I would have taken the whole fucking unit out there with the game still in it and broken up my Nintendo in a fucking fit of rage. At some of the parts of this game, like as a kid, like like with my Cleveland Indians baseball bat, I got as a gate giveaway from Municipal Stadium in 1988 when there was probably 47 total fans in the stadium. I'd been beating the living shit out of this fucking thing in my backyard because it's so fucking broken. And like I said, I was I was certain I was so certain that it did it like there's no way that it didn't get the blessing that I had to really really work through and like what could possibly be the grounds for not. Like, what is the route to validating my frustrations in light of all the positives that this pres- this thing has presentation-wise and even gameplay-wise at times? But, like, it hit me like a ton of bricks after, like, way too much thought, probably. But it hit me like a fucking ton of bricks. Like, th- 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 there is the-, the basis for this not getting the blessing. Because the whole thing is, like, we gave it to Castlevania 1 deserves it and I still feel it deserves it so everything we talked about to date like it improves everything in to some degree or another that was problematic the stairs are better they're still a problem but they're better you know the the so many things that were fucking hard and difficult about the first one are improved on here but it is still broke and the way you broke how's it broke the stair, like the turning, it's not the stairs, the turning, the getting fucking j- glitched onto them when you don't want to be, or unable to get off them when you want to, the being glued to them, and and having and having all these things fucking dropped onto you while you're stuck dealing with those broken mechanics that don't feel good and don't work right. And, I mean, like I said, the slowdown is an obvious thing, and I granted that's a one-time thing, but it's at a pretty fucking important part. Like... These things were all there, and we could give Castlevania 1 a blessing because of the timeline that it all happens in. That game is 19-fucking-87 or some shit. This is 1990. This is, they've had, if you want it, they've had three games to do this. There's Simon's Quest in there, too, in between the first Castlevania that we're giving a pass for these problems. And they've... They've chosen in three and a half years to either they either chosen to not fix these dog shit aspects of the game or have been unable to do it. And in either case, they're deliberate enough for me to say, like, fuck that. Like, fuck you, Castlevania. Like, I don't think it's Castlevania hard. I think it's broke Castlevania. And I don't think Lorik would play that shit in 1990. He might play that shit in 1987. I don't think he plays that shit in 1990. And... You were given some rope in 1987, 
and you've hung yourself with it in this game, in my opinion. Now get the fuck out of Tantagel, Castlevania 3, and don't let the screen door hit you in the ass on the way out. Wow. Yes. Such strong feelings. Yeah, fuck this. No blessing for this game. No, but it does not. It's a broken video game. First of all. It's a broken video game. First of all, I never experienced a slowdown. So that that never happened to me. Second, I think even though I still hated the stairs, I found that most of the time I was able to get past that just by understanding the pattern of the stuff coming at me. And I could either go up faster or like stop and like do something mid stair. Like I, I then some I gargoyles are coming. Then some gargoyles are coming from either direction that you can't turn and deal with when any level. But, but I'm saying I had weapons at that point. I could like turn and like attack them. So like I I found a way. You know just through dying, I'm like, all right, I got to figure out a way to get through here over and over. You know what I mean? I, I just found that I eventually made it through. So those, I, I was fine with the, with those things. Like I said, I now that I remember that I already own the Castlevania collection and I have that game, I'm actually considering playing it again, you know, continue. I think I saved my state, saved my game where I was. So I'm already like into it a little bit. But like wanting to go a different direction and to try Sifa or maybe the weird other spirit, you know what I mean? The nasty, just to see what's different. You know, I kind of hoped that it would be remastered. So like, I know there's other Castlevania things out there. So I'm like, maybe if there's a remastered one, I'll play it. But if I bet not, there's, a, I bet there's a fucking mod or something of a 3D one out there somewhere. Oh, sure. such a, such but like, even even if there's not, I'm now more interested and open to the idea of playing four. You know what I mean? Which well, I four is supposedly supposedly they Super fi- Nintendo. Yeah, they, supposedly they fixed all this shit for four. Uh, so, so yeah, so I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. It's, yeah, it's funny, dude. Like I think all the disciples said this is their this is the best and their favorite Castlevania, and on the NES, I mean, and I agree. I think it is the best one, and I think it is my favorite. But it's still fucking broken. <laughs> I said and, it's not broken. I would give it the blessing right now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think that's a commentary on the whole series, and probably like a big part of why I didn't get into one and three as a kid. Because even then, I could tell a game was broken. Like they're not; it's not the, the it, it just doesn't feel good. Like those broken parts feel so bad and frustrating. And there's no, I don't know. It just doesn't. I, pay I it was off, more man. annoyed at at trying to jump and like. I was more annoyed at using my weapon when I didn't want to use my weapon because I had to freaking hold up and you know what I mean? And just like doing I didn't, that, that didn't, at inopportune times. That was, that was annoying that, to me. Yeah. That didn't, that was more of a problem. They probably, they probably fixed that in, in some minute way to some degree too. This is a, another uh, pointing at another example of something that they, they probably bettered. Cause I don't remember that being a problem. The only time I ran into those two things, butting heads was on the stairs because you're holding up to you. It takes you up the stairs, you know, uh, holding up any other time doesn't, which is why it's a fine choice for packing that feature onto that limited controller with so few buttons is because most of the time you're not going, there's nothing to go up on, <laughs> you know? So it's a fine choice there. But once you get like this, you know, like. It's time to move to the Super Nintendo where we got more buttons. Let's go. Probably. Yeah. And that probably, <laughs> it's probably as simple as that, that you just don't have those things butting heads. And that probably, you know, they say they fix that. Like that. It's not even a matter of fixing it. It's just, yes, it's limited by the, uh, the platform the that, that they're the hardware that they're doing it on, which you know, 
whatever. But then you, you got it. You still got to balance it and make it fun and I, and not make it and make it not broke. And if that requires taking away uh, features or whatever stairs <laughs> in the gate, like fuck off, man. Like you got to do it. Like it's just, yeah, I just, it's just it was not, it was not pleasant and I can't get past it again. I just can't get past it again. So fair. Oh, so that's that. Okay, so uh, a split blessing for Castlevania three, but I'm glad we checked off the list. I probably will never play it again, even though I, like I said, I want to see some of those other things. I don't think I can weather some of the negative aspects of it uh, to get myself through that. That's why uh, I, so- I, I prefer prefer if there's like a remaster, remaster or something yeah. to give me a little more zing to want to play. You know, I was a little yeah. disappointed. I was like, oh, it's the exact same. Like, ah. <laughs> yeah. Well, next up is Game Pro number 17, and that, that will be the last of 1990 magazines, which is interesting and fun before we move into 1991. You can subscribe to the pod on the platform provided, whatever dumbass company that serves up your pottery. Please rate and leave positive shit for the pod on that podcast platform of choice or any other for that matter. The website is nyehentertainment.com forward slash isohpod. You can email us directly at isohpodcast at gmail.com to tell us how wrong we were in our playthroughs, uh, our uh, interpretations of this video game that I'm sure many of you don't feel deserves a split blessing. And you can follow the pod on Facebook and or Instagram. A link to the YouTube gameplay videos playlist will be in the show notes. There's the subreddit if you want to get down on Reddit. Link to that is in the show notes too. We don't have a Patreon, but if you like giving money to things podcasters tell you to and would like to do so in our direction, the Able Gamers Foundation creates custom gaming rigs for gamers with disabilities, and that's cool as fuck. AbleGamers.org is where you can find them. T-shirts on the website. They're dope, and proceeds on those after pod expenses go to Able Gamers. I'm rocking one right now. Jay, what are your socials? Gentleman JB without the second E is where you can find me. Generally, Facebook, Instagram, wherever, where, you know where all the places are. And then that's also my gamer tag. I am on Twitter at Josh Folan, and I am on Instagram at my shifty is broke. That is my Oculus tag as well, and I think that is my Steam username too. Yeah, it is my Steam username too. Uh, if you want to track me down for some Baldur's Gate, okay, bye, bye.